Good to have you here, three and out on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. So much to get to here on the show. Ryan Roberts, draft analyst for RiseInDraft.com, will join us. We'll look inside two weeks to go until the draft. Where's the value at in this draft? What are the Falcons, Jags looking to do there at the top end of the draft? Also, interesting story we'll have coming up top of the final hour, Jason Poe, former Mercer Bear. Uh, And you might be saying, who's Jason Poe? Well, if you've been on uh, the social medias, put a video of himself out. He's an offensive lineman slash, he calls himself interior offensive lineman slash fullback. Come on. I don't know how many of those there are running around, but he said interior line. Put out a video of himself going through drills, running, catching passes, and said, look, I'm available to be drafted. Here's where it's at. Gotten a lot of traction uh, out there on social media. He's going to join us on the show and talk about, you know, hey, I didn't get to do pro days, so I'm making a video. Making a video, and I'm putting myself out there. We we hear people say that all the time. Market yourself. He's doing that and putting some pretty impressive tape from what we saw, at least in workouts. Trying to get himself a, a shot in an NFL gig. Extremely impressive. 6'1", 300 pounds. Ran like, they said, they said he ran like a 4'8", 9", 40-34 uh, reps on the bench. If you want to see athleticism, did, I mean, Jason, listen, Jason Poe was not a Joe Schmo. I, I guarantee you that. <laughs> if you go and watch what he, what, what he was just – and when you think about social media, like you said, Kevin, and marketing yourself, this is how you do it. I mean, last time I checked, it was like 32,000, 33,000 views. It's impre- the whole tape is impressive. He's he's going through the route tree. He's showing he's showing uh, he's showing snapping the football. Hey man, Jason, looking forward to talking to him in the, in the, in the final hour. Very very yep. very very impressive. And he will join us coming up as uh, Ben said a little bit later. Ryan Roberts this hour as well. And we got spring games going on this week. Uh, Florida last night and tomorrow Georgia, Bama, and a host of others uh, going on. Our own Christian Gokel, esteemed Georgia Bulldog fan, and host of Second Down. In that order, probably. Would you consider yourself in that order? Joining us here on uh, Three and Out. Well, I'd consider myself a lot of things. I can be analytical. I don't know if putting myself out there as a fan. Okay. But you've especially had... Since, uh, there's somebody, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially well, since there's somebody on the show right here who won't even admit hold on, hold on, hold on, who their hold team on. is. Before we even get to that... <laughs> What would you consider yourself now, like, like, cause, like, cause I, I do, I do, I kind of understand what you mean, Christian. Like, don't call me a fan. I like, am clearly at my heart a Georgia fan, but I feel like <laughs> when I'm doing this right here, you can separate. Yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. That's fine. I, I appreciate. I appreciate. So that being said, you're the defending <laughs> national champions. What are you? What do you want to see? Out of the spring game. No injuries. No, I, I was about to say, please, dear God, don't say no injuries. Well, no, I mean, it's but like. It's, but it, it, There's so many new guys. I figured you'd want to see a couple of guys maybe get their moment to not, show what they can do. Honest to God, not really. I mean, spring games to me are fun because they're football. And after that, that's about it. Like, how many times have you seen a spring game hero who doesn't even touch the three deep once you get to the regular season? So uh, I, I do think there's some storylines and some stuff that you can garner from this. The offensive line, uh, the way that's shaking out right now, Broderick Jones is kind of stepping into – that star role where you've seen uh, Isaiah Wynn uh, and Andrew Thomas play, right? And that most recently, Jamari Sawyer, uh, last couple of years. So you've seen just NFL talent after NFL talent after NFL talent, and he might be the best out of the bunch just in terms of physical stature uh, and what he's able to do. So uh, I'm excited to see him. And then I think somebody that's not talked about enough, obviously we talk about him, uh, is Warren McLennan's kind of put a chokehold on that right tackle position, and he's really not going anywhere. He might be the best offensive lineman Georgia has. Mm-hmm. Uh, most consistent uh, and just a guy they 
put in there and they don't have to worry about. Uh, but in terms of health, the reason I say that, Kevin, is over the past few weeks, Georgia's lost three offensive linemen to the transfer portal. You've lost Owen Condon, uh, who I believe ended up at SMU. Uh, Clay Webb, who is a big-time five-star center uh, that you were able to get, and he just wasn't able to crack uh, and beat out Cedric Van Pran, so he's moved on. Uh, and then the biggest blow was Amarius Mims, who is a freaky 6'7", 320-plus-pound talent, five-star, uh, and he, again, didn't look like he was going to play a whole lot, so he has entered the transfer portal. So all of a sudden, you went from being real deep in that offensive line group to barely being able to field too deep. Well, I mean, how, how much how much of that, uh, Christian, as we talk about the spring, is spring is a reality when you think about players. If you if you look at what George has been, just, just throw out Kirby's first year. All right, let's get past that. Since then, I mean, they have been perennial – you know, they, they dominate the East. They're in Atlanta every year. They've been to two, two uh, national championships. So when you look at the Mims or who, whomever's transferring, these guys are saying, look, it's one thing to say my five-star against this five-star, but once that five-star, as you mentioned, like a Warren McClendon, they're not. These spots don't – there are six spots on an, on any uh, roster that don't come out the game. That would be your five offensive linemen and your starting quarterback. Sorry, they're not interchangeable unless, unless you know – it's a, you are 40, yeah. 40 to nothing. So how much of this is just a reality of just how good Georgia is and saying this, uh, Christian, I'm saying, look, I don't know if I want to wait three years and go into my senior year and, and you know, bank on my talent. I want to say, look, I'm a five-star. I might, I'm not going to get the culture that I'm leaving in Georgia, but because of what Georgia has given me, can I be a Jermaine Johnson at a Florida State sure. if I leave? Well, and I, I think – Spring is a reality is a good way of pointing that because it's also a reality for Georgia. They were over the scholarship limit, and so if they wanted to go out and get somebody, they weren't able to just by NCAA rules right now because you can't bring in anybody from the transfer portal if you're over that limit. And I still think right now they are over that, so you're going to see more guys move on as well. And so a team that was that deep in that position, you wonder how much of that with an Owen Condon and a Clay Webb was a conversation with the coaches saying, hey, listen, man, we appreciate you, but – it might be best for you to move on. I can promise you they did not want to see a Marius Mims leave. Well, but, but, and, and so it's one of those things where it's a little bit of give and take where only so many people can play. And like you said, Warren McClendon, who comes in as a three or four star, yeah. Marius Mims thinking, yeah, he's a three or four star. Yeah. That's my spot. But that's the reality of, right, yeah. when you're recruiting at a level that you know Georgia, Alabama have done, it's like, look, five stars aren't going to be happy sitting there saying, hey, man, wait three years and you're going to get your shot. And you'll still, like, they, they want to play. I mean, that's just the reality of it, right? Well, I, it is, but at the same time, Georgia and Ohio State and Alabama, they seem to have done a really good job of selling a lot of these kids on wait your turn yeah. and you're going to be a first-round pick Yeah. versus... But, you but, could, but what does that mean to in the 18-year-old kids? Wait a year or two, not three, right? But, I mean, but, but for... Well, you don't... And you don't tell them... Like, let's, just, let's be honest. You don't tell them you're going to wait three years. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. that. You say, hey, it looks like right now you're not the guy. Well, Keep yeah. working. Here's what you got to get better on. Yeah. And then it'll be, oh, next year. Okay, kind of the same thing. Some guys just don't want to wait, or some guys like a Jermaine Johnson, give it a couple years, realize that I'm playing, but I'm not playing as much as I need to, yep. and then they bet on themselves, go to a worse team, and just for, I'm not saying it was a mercenary move, but it was a mercenary move. He went to Florida State because he knew he could start immediately at Florida Absolutely. State. He was going to play all the time. Absolutely. He was still going to be on national television, and it worked out for him. Jermaine Johnson bet on himself, and now he's going to be a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. But that being said, going back to the spring game, if you want like the candy stuff, I will say the stuff that's sweet but doesn't really matter. <laughs> I will say I am looking forward to watching the quarterbacks 
Not yeah. because I think there's a competition, yeah. but because what have I heard all spring? Carson Beck is. I, I, like, I, I, I'm yeah. about to say that. Carson I want to see it. Looks like a different dude. He better just Brock, let it go even if he don't complete it. Yeah, Brock Vandegrift. Brock <laughs> Vandegrift took that next step. Right? What does the next step mean? Right. So I've heard all of this stuff yeah. about how amazing these guys are. Yeah. I, I want to see it. I hope Todd Munkin and them let him sling it around a little bit because I've heard nothing all spring except they how can't great get hit, the right? They, we, they still they can't yeah. get hit. Last time no, I checked. No. So, but I will say this. This is what I want to see. When you think about Georgia, right? The reason why, you know, a team like Georgia, you hear about all these guys moving on and they still – that's what they stockpile. There are teams – you talk about Georgia, they can't even get transported because they're over the limit. There are a bunch of teams that are under the limit that could use that type of talent. So when you get to thinking, what are you going to see with Georgia? You're going to see Stetson Bennett go out there and show he, – he's going to show a lot of poise and control with the offense. Like, look, this is what I do. Stetson Bennett, I'm going to say this, is not the most talented quarterback for Georgia. I mean, honestly, to me, I don't care if he plays tomorrow. But hold on, hold I mean, on. just being honest. But, 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 I mean, but what I'm saying matter. is, Stetson Bennett is more of a true barometer when you think about, when you think about what, what college football is becoming. Yes, I want him to look the part. I want him to walk in the room, look at that dude. That's the dude that I wanted, you know, I'm being honest. Stay the hell away from my daughter. Well, Stay well, away from well, no, But here's what, here's what kills me, though, mm-hmm. is, and this is why he's so much better at this than I am and why – he he could retire today and just have millions of dollars in the bank account. Paul Feinbaum putting on his show what the the prompt what happens if Stetson Bennett stumbles in the spring game. Uh-huh. Like we all know what happens if Stetson Bennett quote unquote stumbles in the spring game. It means he had a bad practice. Yeah. All yeah. the spring game is is the final practice of spring. You just let fans in to watch and they dress it up real nice. Georgia's yeah. already done a couple of scrimmages that are gonna be pretty much exactly the same as this. They have officials out there, they have a clock. They're scoring it. They're calling penalties. They're doing kickoffs. Kirby Smart's out there yelling at people, right? None of that's going to change on Saturday except for the fact that there's people in the stands and there's going to be a TV crew there broadcasting it. Yeah. So if Stetson Bennett goes out there and has a bad day, that is not going to overshadow yeah. a season in which he threw five touchdowns yeah. in the semi or in the college football playoff, won a national championship, and then everything we've heard from Kirby Smart this spring about Stetson Bennett is, hey, I need him to go to class, but as a quarterback, he's been really good. Of course, like like I don't care if he plays tomorrow. No, no, I mean, no, no really, no, no, it doesn't no, matter. No, he's no, the starting no, quarterback. No, no, no. It's like this. It's like I mean, he's gonna play. There's no reason. Yeah, why I know. Yeah. No, this, this is what you call rare company. There, there, there's a party going on. Only forty guys can come, and he and he and he's one of the forty. And I'm talking about national championship winning quarterbacks. How many people gonna say that? And 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 the thing is, where you do it is just important that you do it, right? So the whole thing about a guy like Stetson is, I, I take it a step further. It ain't the spring. Who has meant more to Georgia the last three years than Stetson? Like, I'm not saying he was the best player. I am not saying uh, that. I would argue, if you want me to argue that, no, 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 I'd no, say no. Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis. No, 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 no. <laughs> when I say mean more, I'm talking about availability, uh, Christian, because if he's not there, you got to play Carson. I'm not saying you couldn't have won with Carson, but we can easily say somebody could have won with that Georgia. I get that part. That Georgia, that Georgia defense last year, we may never see that again. That You might as well put that in the vault. You leave, but what I am saying is, I said this, and I listen. This is this is my this is my Christian Gokel two years ago Tiger Woods <laughs> uh, Masters moment. I said if Georgia's gonna win that championship, it's gonna come from a kid that grew up wanting to be a Georgia Georgia Bulldog. That's what I said at quarterback, and I and, and I said because I just believe that they inherited all that other stuff. I didn't think it was gonna be a kid from Blackshear named Stetson. I didn't, but it was. Where's JT Daniels at on t- team number three? Morgantown, so, baby. So Stetson said this. Stetson said, "Y'all to my JT." And I was fourth on the depth chart when JT came in. And I had to beat out those other guys. So I, I do want to see the backup quarterback position. But if you want to see talent all over the place, it's going to be some freakish <laughs> talent 
on defense that haven't had a chance to play because of how deep they were last year. That was going to be my, my, my final question there, Christian, is who do you think is ready for a big-time role on this team? Not Like I said, tomorrow relatively doesn't matter, but there's obviously spaces that have been created by guys who are about to get their name called later this month. Who's ready for that big-time role? Well, I, the name I'd say watch is 93, Tyrion Ingram Dawson. He's a – Dawson, excuse me. He's about 6'5", 3'10", 315 pounds, and he's the one of the guys are going to look at to replace not necessarily Jordan Davis because I think they're going to have to rotate some people in there. Zion Logue is going to be really important there. But he's going to become that next explosive kind of defensive lineman for Georgia. Jalen Carter's the best football player on that team. Right, 88, I think anybody who's watched Georgia the past couple of years knows it, and he's he's a better football player, I'll say it, than Jordan Davis. Right, He's a better defensive lineman than Trevon Walker. He's just a, he was just a sophomore last year. Which, so which, that, which, yeah. which, which to me, that what makes anything freaky is, is when you say, this kid is better, but when I think of waiting your turn yeah. in college, it's because, number one, you got to get the college to see, hey, dude, as good as you are, look at him. Look. And it doesn't mean you probably could turn the corner better than him. You probably could play the run now, better than him. Am I, am I saying he's the defensive line is going to be better? No. What I'm saying is he was rotating in as a true freshman with Jordan Davis, with Trevon Walker, right, with Devonta Wyatt. Like yes. He was rotating in Jesus. as a true freshman in the SEC yeah. with those dudes, uh, and then he was playing a significant role last year. I mean, to give you an idea of his mentality, when – Jordan Davis was lining up at running back. They had him in there as fullback, right? He was the one that they were trusting to just massacre people out of the way <laughs> and open it up for him. So I think he, everybody knows about Jalen Carter, and I think the only thing that's worrisome for him is versus playing 30 snaps a game, he's probably going to play 60 snaps a game. Probably. So that could be a little bit concerning uh, there. But So I, I'd watch the defensive line role, uh, but Jamon Dumas-Johnson, is going to be the next great Georgia inside linebacker. So watch out for number 10. He already has a touchdown in his career, just in some garbage time uh, this year. He might have two touchdowns, uh, but I know he has one touchdown uh, in his career already. But, I mean, you're trying to get on the field over N'Kobe Dean or Quay Walker or Channing Tindall. Probably not going to happen an inside linebacker. So watch out for number 10 uh, on defense tomorrow because he's that next great Georgia inside linebacker. Mm -hmm. Christian Gokel joining us here, sticking around after second down. For a little overtime for him, Christian, man, we appreciate it. We need a little touch of class on this. Uh, show well, you know, we do what we can. <laughs> we we try More to like add. All class. We try we try to add it wherever we can get it in there. We got more to come. Uh, Ryan Roberts, draft analyst for RiseandDraft.com, going to join us in about fifteen minutes. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back on this Good Friday, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Thanks for making us a part of your day, Ryan Roberts. RiseandDraft.com will join us coming up. In just a little bit, we'll get his thoughts on the draft. Now, less than two weeks to go until we get there. So he'll join us in just a little bit. But the Braves on the West Coast got shellacked mm-hmm. last night. 12-1, to Charlie Morton, not good. Five runs in five innings. And the Braves offense really did nothing. Uh, Ozzie Albies home run late gave them their one, but really did nothing. And, uh, Ben, I know it's early. And people keep look, coming to me in this office going, are you worried? You worried about the Braves? They're like, no, but there are signs of... Things that are not good right now, like Eddie Rosario is batting 043. Dansby's batting 143. Uh, Alex Dickerson, who's been your DH, is batting 077. That's a third. A third of your lineup is under 150. That's not going to get it done, right? I mean, and then depending on how you rotate around, 
Manny Pena is your backup catcher. If he's playing, he's batting zero. So right now you got a bunch of guys who just simply aren't hitting. Do I think Rosario's an 043 hitter? No. It'll, it'll turn. It's a matter of when. That's why I think uh, if you're looking at Brian Snicker, going, why do you keep running these guys out there? Because baseball guys who've been around know, hey, if it's this bad, maybe we have to take a day off at some point. But still early in the season, it, if they're, it's going to happen. And they're going to figure it out. So uh, I think that's the ultimate faith there. But, no, you look at this lineup, Ben, and I think Matt Olson's hitting. Austin Riley's hitting. Marcelo Zuna's hitting. That's, that's really about it consistently. And Matt Olson has one RBI through the first eight games uh, of the season. One. And that was on a solo shot that he hit. So Ozzie Albee's not getting on in front of him. Obviously, the guys at the bottom of the order aren't getting on to circle the lineup back around so a guy like Matt Olson can get RBI chances, and you're just not scoring any runs. So I think who was it we had on a couple weeks ago that said in all the Braves' losses, they've scored like two runs or less. I want like to say it was home. Brandon, uh, Brandon, maybe it's Brandon yeah. Lee. Yeah, mm-hmm. said so far this season when, when they win, they're scoring like seven or eight or more, and when they lose, they're scoring two, one or two. And while you can win games two to one in – the day and age of, I think this is kind of the same crisis you're going to see, uh, Ben, that you saw in the NFL for a little bit, is like in the day and age of the league is trying to generate more offense. You can't win two-to-one games very often. It's just yeah. hard. Yeah. Uh, teams are going to figure out ways to get on base. So uh, I think the Braves are going through a little bit of that. And, again, some signs that maybe it's going to turn around would be, I think the Braves are number one in hard-hit percentage. And if you get into over-analytics, they're, they're number two in Major League Baseball in barreled baseballs, which is basically hitting it in the sweet spot. You're just hitting it right at uh, people. So I usually look at that as a sign of good things are on the horizon if those those kind of trends continue. It's just it's frustrating because you, you, you're you reveling in the World Series championship, Ben, and then you start out three and five, and you've had two in the last few days pretty significant butt kickings uh, out there out there on the field at the hands of what the Nationals and now the Padres. Yeah, and, and if if I'm not mistaken, I think the Nets got beat up pretty pretty bad uh, uh, last night as well. But I think we can think about this Braves team. Kevin, I think you mentioned it. This is uncharted territory for the Braves because they are the defending World Series champs. Now, and I get that they are the defending World Series champ until until obviously uh, you know this year's World Series. But it looks like they pressing. It looks like when you look at the Braves, it's like you say, Kevin, the one thing the Braves have earned over the last four years is the benefit of the doubt. We expect the Braves to get it right. We expect this lineup to get going. I, I, when I think about sports, definitely pro sports, the biggest thing is confidence. None greater than baseball. I mean, you get, what, four or five at best a game. You talk about being able to play, uh, you know, big-time defense in the, in, you know, in the field. But you talk about quality at best. You talk about, yes, it's uncharacteristic of this Braves team because 12-1 to and 12-2 to and things like that. You're giving, up, you're giving up a lot of runs in a hurry. But they are 3-5. and five. It is eight games. This is a different type of season because they was more focused on having a season instead of being prepared even right. though they weren't able to get things going. I am not making excuses for the Braves by no stretch of the imagination, but I do expect them to get it right. Baseball is a very, very rhythm-based sport. You can get on a roll. And you, can, you can haul off five, six, seven wins in a row, and here we are. And do I expect Rosario to be in this position? No. Do I expect Dansby management? And we said that too, Kevin. We said coming off of last year, Dansby, a part of the greatest, stat-wise, greatest infield in Braves history. That's taking away none of the other great Braves players. 
But now you're talking about Matt Olsen. No more Freddie Free. You're talking about Isaac. You're talking about Austin Riley. But Dansby could be pressing a little bit. I know if BJ was here, he'd be like, I told you about that. <laughs> it's going to be That's fine. true, yeah. I, so, yeah, so I, I, I just think that for this Braves team, like I said, it's eight games. I mean. Yeah, I saw somebody put out there, Ben, uh, eight games right now is the equivalent of if this were, if you were to take this and put it into an NFL schedule, we would be at the start of the fourth quarter of game one. Yeah. Of the 17 games. Yes, so yes. It's, it's nothing to get upset no, about. No, 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 no. But I will say this. The Braves are who we cover. I get it. it no matter what team you cover right now, nobody is. I hope nobody's peaking after, after eight games. I, <laughs> right, I, I, yeah. I get that part. But I go. I look at Snit yesterday before the game. He was just talking about, look, man, guys are going to figure it out. Like when you talk, I've he's kind of grown into his managerial role the last four years saying, look, give us some time, man. We are very, very talented across the board. Starting pitching, lineup, bullpen, I get it. But just because you're talented don't mean the win's going to come. You got to go out there. You got to work at it. And and people talk about having a short memory. I don't think there gets a shorter memory in baseball. What is it? 14, what, what, 14 games or 14 days or something like that? That's a lot of baseball going on. I think this Braves team just has to breathe a little bit, get back to just playing, play you know, play like you know, play poise, but also play aggressive. I guess if 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 that's if that's something that's you know you couldn't do in baseball. But I'm not I'm not worried. I just you know, Kevin. Obviously, I'm in them West Coast games. I'm like Braves. I will <laughs> I will see y'all in the highlight reel yeah. tomorrow. But we know it's uncharacteristic of them. We saying, look, man, we get new faces every year, new additions. You know, you talked about the outfield. Can't be. It can't be. Ronald's going to solve all that. No, Ronald Cooney Jr. is going to be great addition. I, when he comes I, I do think that. You could see what he would mean to this team if he was out there. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously not from an offensive standpoint, but yeah. also defensively. Yes. they're pretty meh in the outfield right now. So I, I, I do think this team could use an Acuna thirteen injection uh, pretty, pretty soon, and maybe they'll get one uh, in the coming weeks. I know he's doing simulated games and things like that. So maybe by the end of the month, first of May, he could be back out there. I, I do think that this team is close as is, but he would make a nice difference. Looking forward to having 13 back out there. I mean, he, he who wouldn't, man? That kid there is freaking electric. But I just think that for this team, right, what type of team is he coming back to? And that's that's the biggest thing is you – Ronnie's going to be running, man. You, Ronnie's Ronnie, Ronnie going to be running. You, you understand that whenever he gets back. But you got to pull your own weight, man. It's a, it's a game in, game out, inning in, inning out type, type scenario. You and the bigs, listen, you know, you hit yourself in a slump, you got to hit yourself out of a slump. You throw yourself in a slump, you got to throw yourself out of a slump. But it, it has to be more of a team effort. Like, I, I hear it all the time. Man, they say, man, just get one here. Let it let it trickle. Get one out. Let it trickle. And then let's do it. Because the Braves are a different type of ball club. Is They're not good when they're pressing. They, they play loose. They, they got a lot of young energy. Let's have some fun a little bit, man. Like, I don't think they're going to break out the Kung Fu Panda hat. I get that <laughs> part. But you know how it is, Kevin. It, this team, look, you know, when they got the whole world stirring it up, when they run around, it's just – it's something about them. Not and I think you're not gonna recapture the magic you had last year. Last year's over with. I get that part. But man, you still got a great nucleus of players you can go out there and make it happen with. Because I do think that sometimes you don't have to live up. You already want it. I know it's a new year. You've already you got the rings. These rings are ginormous. But I think that the party's over. Get back to get back to your winning ways. And hopefully, you know, you you know, hopefully coming out of the weekend or whatever, you yeah. you back at five hundred. And we'll have the Braves and Padres coming up later tonight. Uh, 8.25 pregame, as Ben said, those lovely late start times, 9.40 uh, with the first pitch. Although this weekend uh, with the Padres, they're uh, afternoon baseball on Saturday and Sunday night baseball. So we don't get the full gamut until next week when the Dodgers come on the schedule of those 10 o'clock starts 
for the most part. But hey, San Diego's a good ball club. We saw Manny Machado. People talk about Tatis. I mean, p- forget Manny Machado's like a $300 million guy himself. He went five for five, first time in his career last night. Going five for five at the plate. Unbelievable. Could not get that guy out. We'll come back. We'll switch gears, talk a little draft. Ryan Roberts, draft analyst with RiseAndDraft.com. He steps in here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, 3 and Out, on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. We are inside two weeks to go until the NFL draft is upon us. And joining us here, draft analyst from RiseAndDraft.com. Ryan Roberts joins us here on 3 and Out. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, guys. Appreciate you guys for having me. I hey, appreciate you coming on. We've heard from a lot of folks we've had on about the Jags there at number one. And, and Aiden Hutchinson, do you believe that's the pick, even though maybe Doug Peterson wants offense? Could it be? Is it going to be Aiden Hutchinson number one? Yeah, I, re- I really do subscribe to it, to be honest with you. It's, I, I think it's a slam dunk that it's definitely a defensive end. It's definitely edge at this point. I think once. The staff signed Cam Robinson to the franchise tenure. I think they kind of put that emphasis that it's going to be a pass rusher. It's been a long time now since we've kind of heard the Aiden Hutchinson conversation, and now we've got recent Trevon Walker out of Georgia as a guy that's getting a little bit of smoke to potentially be the top pick, but I'm still holding firm. I think it's Aiden Hutchinson. I think he's just he's a little more clean than Trevon right now. Trevon might have a little more upside, but I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be a lot more comfortable with Aiden Hutchinson and just more of the known commodity that he is. Ryan, when you look at a guy like uh, Aiden Hutchinson, obviously, I mean, what he did last year for Clemson, I mean, it helped him get over the hump, winning, you know, winning the Big Ten, beating Ohio State. What makes his game translate so well to the National Football League when if you can't get a franchise quarterback, you obviously got to get a guy to chase those guys? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think what Aiden really did this past year, which I think he really – kind of let loose you know during his Michigan career for the most part he was used all over the defensive line I mean there was times where he's lined everywhere from four four I five nine like he's he was lined up everywhere early on in his Michigan career and I think that the injury last year set him back because I think he would have originally been in the 2021 NFL draft if he'd not get injured down the latter stage of the season but he came back and I think that Michigan did really did the best job for him to just kind of let him loose and be that wide wide alignment rusher because the one thing about Aiden is that he's not even though he ran a great three cone I don't I don't see him as the most bendy rusher of all time I don't see him as a true outside track guy what he really does well though is that he has a dynamic first step for a 6 foot 6 plus 260 plus pounds he really can threaten offensive tackles up the arc and get them to overset a ton so that sets up not only the ability to kind of transition outside with his with his explosiveness, but also he hits a lot of inside counters. So I don't I don't think that Aiden Hutchinson in a traditional year is probably the first overall pick, but I think this year he really put everything together, and he I think he just has that kind of inside outside ability as a rusher that a lot of teams are really going to uh, gravitate to. I mean, you take him number one overall. What kind of imp- impact should he have uh, in Jacksonville to kind of live up to the fact that? If they take him number one, what they need him to do? Well, I think anytime you're drafting a pass rusher that high, you're going to expect him to be a double digit sack guy every single year. And I, that's the trouble with this class a little bit is the fact that like it's an incredibly deep draft, but I don't think the top of it is as strong as we have seen in some years. So in a lot of classes, I think Aiden Hutchins is more a 10 to 20 type of pick because I don't know if he's a incredibly high-volume rusher. I think he can be somewhere – you know, not not quite to a Joey Bosa, but like a poor man's Joey Bosa to a degree. I think he could be a 
eight to nine, ten sack a season type of player because he really does a nice job in the run game as well. So maybe you think of a Patrick Kearney a little bit in the back of your mind. I think he can be that type of player, but I think if you're drafting him number one overall, Jacksonville is going to believe that he can be a double-digit sack player every single year, and he certainly has the talent to do so. It's just a question now if, if that will kind of come to fruition for him. When you when you think about a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, you, you mentioned the poor man's, you know, Joey Bosa. Why is it we can't ever get away from, oh, you talk about the Bosa brothers, you talk about Chase Young, they you know, play for the same team, but they in the same division when you talk about Ohio State and Michigan. Is that what guys, is that what these GMs are hoping for? Is the Trent Balky saying, look, if I can get that level of production, but you think, but you're talking about, not arguing, you're talking about top five, definitely top ten pass rushers in the league. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the model that you're looking at. You know, the, the comparison's more about the body type and how the ability that a guy can win, right? Like, uh, my comps are always from a stylistic approach, but it, it, at the NFL level, especially with how it's become now more manufacturing space and being able to try to, you know, mix up coverages and get home with, with less, you know, I, I think that right now getting a player that can create a pressure, speaking about Aiden Hutchinson, from multiple spots, because like I said, he is a guy that's played – up and down the defensive line at Michigan. He's not just been a true nine tech, you know, the majority of his career. He's played anything from nine all the way down to a, even a three at times in some sub package. So I think that's the possibility that he gives that is similar to Joey Bosa specifically because Nick's a true outside track type of guy. But Joey's a dude with that length that he has and that explosiveness. He can work up and down the line of scrimmage. And I think that's what you can get with Aiden, the guy that, like, he's not just going to, set up offensive tackles and hit inside counters, but he can really, I think, abuse offensive guards and interior alignment in general with his combination of length and first step. So I think he's just a movable chess piece up front. Ryan Roberts, draft analyst with RiseAndDraft.com, joining us here on 3 and Out. And uh, Ryan, here in this state, the Falcons sit at number 8, and uh, I know people like to do mock drafts, but as we've sat here and, and looked at this Falcons team, I mean... They literally could take anybody, and it would be okay. <laughs> what, what do you think happens uh, with the Falcons? Are they just sitting there saying, well, whoever's number one left on the board, that's what we're doing, or do they have a, a specific target in mind? Yeah, I mean, I love mock drafting for teams like that because there's so many holes you really can't get it wrong. You know, it, it's a tough thing to do just in general. I think Atlanta, they're in a very strange situation. You know, they get rid of Matt Ryan. They trade him to Indianapolis this offseason. They pick up Marcus Mariota. Obviously, they need a long-term answer at quarterback, but I don't think that this is the year to find that answer, even if Malik Willis is potentially staring you in the face, you know, maybe at number eight. So I, I think that they're just going to try to play the best player available, to be honest. Like, I could see them going best pass rusher available, whether that's Kayvon Thibodeau falling down the board, whether that's Trayvon Walker whether that's Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, the defensive end, or I think they go wide receiver. So defensive end or wide receiver, the wide receivers that you should keep an eye out if that's where they end up going is Garrett Wilson from Ohio State or Drake London from USC. Obviously, Drake's a little bit bigger, has the basketball background. He's kind of more of a springy athlete, while Garrett Wilson, I think, is kind of the he's, – he's the three-level three threat. Like, he's a, he can separate in any single way, so – that's kind of the starting point to where I think the wide receiver run is going to start. I, I think that at eight to Atlanta is a feasible opportunity, but I would not blame them if they try to take the best pass rusher available. I mean, speaking of best pass rusher available, you're talking about a guy like Javon Walker who's been in talks of potentially going number one overall with his upside. But Kayvon Thibodeau, number one player coming out of high school three years ago, didn't taper off when he was at Oregon. They even let him return punts. If he is there at eight and Atlanta brings him in, how much of a hole can he feel even if he is a rookie? Oh, I mean, a huge one, honestly. He, he's the best defensive end in this class, in my opinion. I value him over Aiden Hutchinson. 
unfortunately, he's the guy this year, and it happens every single year. There's one player, at least, where people just overanalyze because he's been on, a, on the guy's mind forever. Like, like you said, he's been a guy at Oregon now for three years. I mean, his freshman year, he had like nine, nine or ten sacks somewhere in that ballpark. So he's been a guy as a five-star recruit that everybody has known about for a very long time. He has the 2020 season where it's the half-hazard. I think he played like three or four games because of the Pac-12 shutdown and then come back really, really, um, really late there. And then this past year, he has a, a good season. You know, he's very productive when he plays, but he's kind of dealing with injuries a little bit. So I think there's, there's definitely some durability stuff that you kind of need to work through with, with Kayvon. But I think from a talent perspective, I mean, the kid is 6'4 plus, 250 plus pounds. 34-inch arms, explosive athlete, ran in the four fives of the combine. So everything's there for him, man. Like, he's the guy that I think in this class is the guy that I'm most comfortable with saying what I said before about being a double-digit sack type of player. So first year, you know, I would hope that he would get, you know, six, seven, eight sacks somewhere in that ballpark, and that kind of springboards into being the the caliber of player that I think he can be long-term because I think that the upside with I, also, I actually don't think that he's even close to his ceiling because I think that he's more just athlete than pure football player. When he figures it out and he gets a little nuance with his hands, a little bit of a pass rush plan, I think he has an unbelievable upside to be a really dominant pass rusher. Ryan Roberts, draft analyst with RiseInDraft.com, joining us. And, uh, Ryan, where's the value here in this draft? I've heard a lot of people say, man, this draft is really deep, maybe not the top-end talent. So we talk about on the whole – Maybe a lot of starters, not a lot of superstars in this draft, but where's the, where's the value at here at, at a certain position? Yeah, um, I mean, just to kind of put it in context on the depth of this class, I mean, last year I think there were 650 players about eligible for the 2021 NFL draft. This year I talked to an agent that told me it was three times that much. So there's a lot of guys that due to the COVID extra year of eligibility, this is a very deep draft just on pure numbers. Where, where the best value is? edge like i kind of talked about there's a lot of defensive ends i mean there's probably 20 25 deep that i think can be players in the nfl and give some type of production so defensive ends cornerbacks and safeties so it's this big secondary group this year wide receivers defensive ends and a solid offensive tackle group so if there's any of those groups that if you're looking for a player i think there's not only just first round caliber players a little later in the first round i think that when you get to day two there's a, there's a plethora of, of guys that you're going to be happy with. I think day three, moving into those positions, there's going to be a lot of values. And I think there's even going to be a lot of UDFAs this year where, in a traditional sense, are guys that are just trying to make the roster, but they might be some guys that have a little more of a projection to maybe helping out in some capacity. So defensive end, pass rushers, corner, uh, secondary help, and wide receivers, I think, are kind of the cream of the crop this year as far as position groups. And Ryan, you mentioned a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau as your, you know, your clear-cut number one defensive end in this draft. Two guys that I think that are very, very intriguing. I mean, the big guys, Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame, six four, and Sauce Gardner out of, you know, out of Cincinnati, six two. One place corner, one place safety. When it's all said and done, who would you rather have? Especially when you got two guys that can definitely take over a defense. Yeah, it's a tough conversation because in today's game, you would obviously defer to the cornerback, but I would actually defer to Kyle Hamilton in that sense because I know that there's. Some talk that he might fall a little bit, maybe even to 10 or 11 in this draft just because of you know, how the NFL has kind of devalued the safety position. But I think if you ask me is there a gener- if there was a generational player in this class, who would that be? And I think that the clear answer for me, if there was a player in that, in that status, it would be Kyle Hamilton because just historically speaking, you don't see many 6'4", 
and an ace, 220-pound safeties with 33-inch arms. Like, that body set just doesn't come around that often. I mean, you're, you're talking about guys in that vein like the Steve Atwaters, Kenny Eastley, Sean Taylors, Obi Melifonu. Like, there's just not a lot of guys historically that look the way Kyle Hamilton looks. And I think that he can transform a secondary because he could play on the roof. He can come down in the slot at times and, and match up against some tight ends, some certain slot receivers that could be an extra box defender. There's a lot that Kyle Hamill can do. So while I do think that Sauce Gardner is a very intriguing corner, four four speed, six foot two, long arms, everything is there to be a, a lockdown corner potentially at the next level. I think Kyle Hamilton is a potential game changer on the defense. Ryan Roberts, draft analyst with RiseandDraft.com, our guest here on the show. Ryan, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely, Dallas. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Ryan Roberts joining us here on Three and Out as we are inside two weeks to go in this draft. He said. Jags, defensive end. Falcons, if it's available, uh, defensive end. I know we talked yesterday. Is it Aiden Hutchinson? Is it a Deke? Are they actually going to try to bolster offensive line? Jags, very intriguing there. But everybody keeps saying Aiden Hutchinson's going to be the guy. Aiden Hutchinson, you keep, but you keep on hearing the quote, safe pick. Kevin, what, what scares me about that is that you saw a safe pick. Okay. He has a he has a prototypical size. He's six he's six six almost six seven two hundred sixty five pounds. Has a very very quick first step to be able to kind of get you know gain leverage on a <clears throat> on these elite offensive tackles. But then Ryan come back and say, but Kevin Thibodeau is my best you know and obviously this is right. it's gonna vary my best my clear cut number one defensive end. So my thing is always when you heard but then you hear Trevon Walker well he's a guy that can play up and down the defensive line. You're gonna get variety. You're gonna get variety. It just comes down to once that pick is in. That's what you got to go with because the thing about the Jags is they're going to always look back at the draft and say who we could have got because they got the number one overall pick. Whereas when you get to Atlanta, if it's Kayvon Thibodeau, do you take him? But if Kyle Hamels is there, do you take him? So, I mean, look, if the, the biggest crap shoot there is, is is the NFL draft. For everybody that works out, there's 10, 20 guys that don't work out. But Aiden Hutchinson seems to be the guy. But, you know, Kevin, it's almost impossible to live up to the billing of being the number one overall pick because you're going to be highly scrutinized unless you end up, you know, Walking away with 175 sacks and two Super Bowls. <laughs> right. You know, who knows? They compare every defensive end to Aaron Donald. They compare every defensive end to a Bosa. Come on, man. You compare <laughs> yeah. to Bosa because he played at Ohio State. Let the man uh, decide to have his own legacy. We'll see what happens. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out. Take three right around the corner. We'll look at that Falcons draft a little more in depth. And Jason Poe, former Mercer uh, Bear inside offensive lineman, will join us. He put out his own kind of combine tape. Got a lot of notice. We'll talk to him about that journey, trying to put his name out there in the ring for the NFL draft. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out, on this Friday. Glad you're making us a part of your day. RBC Heritage going on on Hilton Head this afternoon. Patrick Cantlay, your leader at seven under. He is through nine on round number two. He's a shot ahead of Cameron Tringale and a couple others. Uh, yesterday's Leader Cameron Young is at minus five, plus three on his round uh, today. He is still out on the course, so it's not gone swimmingly for him. But right now, Patrick Cantlay, your leader uh, at minus seven. Matt Kuchar, uh, former Georgia Tech star, minus five. Just a couple of shots off the pace. He's in the clubhouse after two rounds. We'll keep you up to date on how that's going uh, throughout uh, the afternoon as well. So, uh, again, that going on this weekend as well as everything else. you got the Braves out on the West Coast, Ben, mm-hmm. uh, trying to – Keep it together. Again, I think that's probably the most important thing. As you go on the West Coast, you don't need to go, you know, 6-0 and over these next few games. Win, two, win three. Win three of the next six, and we'll call that a success here early in the season and move on just about winning series. So we got plenty to get to coming up. We'll take three 
Coming up next hour, also, uh, we'll look at the Atlanta Falcons. Two weeks out from the draft. So many options, so little time. What can they possibly do? We'll get to that coming up and more. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio, streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com. Good to have you back. Hour two, three and out on this Friday. So much to get to here on the show. Falcons, two weeks out, less than two weeks, actually, from the draft. And if anybody tells you they know what the Falcons are going to do, Ben, they are lying. So we'll uh, we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit as well. So looking forward to that. But first, let's take three on this Friday, shall we? As I try to put the music back up, I, you know, a little ready to hit the door already this weekend. But take three, take one. Uh, ben, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk on Twitter caused a lot of a stir. Uh, he said, hey, draft picks. Don't go to the draft. Don't help out the NFL. Don't go to the draft unless they pay you to show up. Do you agree with that? <laughs> I'll put you on the spot. Long, long, long time ago, yeah, right, yeah. called a draft. No, no, no. I, I, I will say this. I, I, I agree with it, Kevin, because this, this is the thing, right? This is the thing. A lot of times, right, we don't know that we can make money with stuff. Like somebody, you ever did something, somebody go, oh, man, how much money are they paying you for this? You're like, hey, they, what do you mean paying me? And somebody go, they don't pay you? Now, now, now this is the thing, right? I get it. We're talking about, we talking about the draft. It used to be two days. Two days have become three days. Now, it's going to probably end up being seven days. <laughs> it's gonna, the draft starts on Monday. It is on Sunday first. But I will say this. When you start talking about, when we start talking about players making money, I made really, really good money before the draft doing trading cards. I wasn't going to be Eli, Ben Rosenberg, Philip Rivers, so on and so forth. If I'm going to be a lottery pick, because let's face it, I don't even know how long the MLB draft is. The WNBA draft came and went. Like we, we I, I, I saw it on Twitter. Like what? No one overall pick. We don't know. We don't know anybody in the NBA draft no more. Like, do you know anybody? Half the draft gonna be international players. So I think what this is, Kevin, this is a chance to say, all right, um, let's let's try to get a little marketing deal. Like I know that I know that certain things are built in with the draft. And Kevin, I know what you're gonna say about it. But when I hear get some money, right, for a person that's finna get a big check if they're going first round. I just think it's how you leverage it. I think I think I think a lot of times when we hear about they're gonna, you know, they finally made it to the big times to get a big check. How do I leverage this? I think I think um, Jello, anything. If I've never done something, that gives the person that's gonna be quote paying me all the leverage because I really don't know what to negotiate. Like the agents don't know what to negotiate for real. That, so it's not gonna be what you think it is. It's not gonna be you know ain't nobody finna get no you know. Most of these guys are going to get endorsement deals. And I think what the endorsement deal will do is they'll just build that in. Okay, the endorsement will pay for them. You know, so it'll be something. I don't think it's going to be, oh, man, somebody just signed up. No, I get that. You know. I mean, my whole thing is is this. Just because you can make something off everything doesn't mean you you should or need to. Yeah. My whole thing is this. Okay, so – you're going to pay the top 20 guys to show up at the draft. I don't know if the NFL, maybe maybe they do, Ben, I don't know. It, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if the NFL pays for these guys to go to the draft, puts them up in a hotel, or what at bare minimum. I would imagine if they invite you, I don't know if that's yeah, up they, to your agent. Get, yeah, I, I would imagine yeah. the league is taking care of you on that. Yeah. My point to, to that is, look, you don't get invited to the draft unless there's a really good chance yes. you're out of there pretty quickly. So yeah. that being said, it is essentially a party put on for you yep. by the league. Yep. Yes, they are making money. Did you help pay for the building? Nope. That they're renting? I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, like, 
You technically do not work for the league at this point. You are about to, and I would say if as a number one pick, top ten pick, they are giving you free pub right away to say, I know that guy, saw him, number one pick, walked across the stage, you know, gave Roger Goodell some depth. I don't know that you shouldn't show up if you don't get paid. Like, I get what you're, you're trying to do, but you guys are also minutes away, literally minutes away from signing million-dollar signing bonuses, not contracts. Like, like, go to the draft. It's a party. Really, unless you're Aaron Rodgers and you're stuck there in the, in the green room looking all sad, Aiden Hutchinson is going to be on TV for five minutes. Hey, there's Aiden Hutchinson. He's sitting there. And the number one pick, if he does, he goes to the Jags. Thanks, Aiden. Hey, what do you think? Oh, I'm just going to go play real hard for Jacksonville. And they're getting a great player. Appreciate it. Pick two's in. See you. Get off the stage. And, and so and that's about this, the extent of it. So, I'm, again, I'm not saying you pay somebody $500,000 to show up. I just think the, the idea of, like, look, this is a celebration of the game. You are one of the invited guests. If you don't want to go, don't go. I don't have a problem with that. But to say you shouldn't go unless you get paid – Oh yeah, 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 I mean that 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 seems I, a little bit little pretentious. You, and, and once again, I'm, you do make a good point. I don't think guys are just gonna stop because it's still prestigious. Like I never ever thought that the draft would not even be in New York. Now it's been in Philly, it's been in Dallas, it all over. The place, I, I, yeah. I, yeah, it's been the year. The Nashville? year was it? The year the year was in Dallas. The next year it was in Philly. Philly won and Philly won the Super Bowl, and it was in Dallas. So yeah, so Nashville, twenty nineteen. That was a beautiful sight. Shout out to the draft. Me and BJ and uh, you know Richie was up there. That was incredible. But no. Let, Let's just call it what it really is. Everybody's not in it for the bread like that. So there are certain, there are because this is the thing you don't realize too, though, Kevin. It's more than just the first round that be up there now. You're gonna have second rounders, third rounders up there. So if if we are potential, let's we go. I just think we, the premise of his argument was flawed. He's like the NFL's making millions of dollars off this event, and you are about to profit on that because they're gonna pay you. Absolutely. That, so I, like I I just I, again I just I'm one of those where I'm like. Should you get paid for some things? And I, I will say this, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying this, but a long time ago, I interviewed John Sally. Played for the Pistons, Bad Boy Pistons, played at Georgia Tech. I had him on, and, and John Sally told me, he goes, listen, don't do nothing unless they pay you. He's like, that's what, just my step rule. I was like, well, it also probably depends on if you're in as demand as you are. He's just yeah, like, yeah, exactly. it's like, so it's like, but he's like, don't do nothing. Unless they pay. And I, th- I understand that reasoning, but I also don't understand, like, hey, you're going to the draft where you are going. They're not inviting you to sit there for three days. They want you to sit there and be on camera for maybe an hour and then move on. Also, if you are still sitting there at pick 23, you're supposed to go at 10. Do you give money back because you aren't gone yet? Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. anyway, I, I just look at it and say, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I understand what Mike Florio was trying to say. I just think the way I look at the draft is like, look, it is a celebration. Mm-hmm. It is a culmination of years of hard work. There's a reason you're crying in the green room when they call your name, and it's not because they gave you four grand to show up. <laughs> exactly. Right? It's because you have put in a lot of hard work, a culmination of that, and people go, well, you're being used. Well, they can just as easily do the draft like they did in 2020 and just say, everybody stay at home. And we'll do it. And guess what? The NFL still made all that oh, money. They, gonna, yeah, they, 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 the so, NFL going to make the money. So, so, TV so I just yeah. look at it as like, it is a celebration, and it is a what? Is the culmination of player A, B, C, D, all the way down through that gets to walk up on that stage because that is a select few people. Very Not everybody few. gets to go up there and hug it out with Roger Goodell like their boys and all that. It is hard work that got you to that point, and you are – I think part of the celebration is that you – I don't care what background you come from, you are about to receive life-changing money. 
You are about to receive life-changing money no matter what. And I, I, I don't, to me, it's a bad look to say, well, I'm, I didn't go to the draft because I wanted five grand. Like, don't, don't do that. That's just me. And I don't think, you know, once again, if you don't think we live in clickbait society, Mike Floyd. I'm mean, well, sure it is, but you know, mean, you know, I fell for it. I'm sorry. Exactly. No, no, <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, too, it's almost like, it's almost like saying this. You, you make a great point, Kevin, when you go, John, I don't do nothing for free. Well, John. How much stuff you get paid for ain't that far away from uh from Detroit? Yeah, because you ain't getting that. And, and 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 he used to be on a sports show, and he was very popular. But now John Sally, John Sally's out front. John Sally, yeah, the legend. Is Isaiah Thomas out there? Is Lambeer out there? Hmm? Is is Joe Dumas out there? Is Dennis Rodman out there? Well, then no. So I I do get it, and like you say, Kevin, it, it comes down to look once again. Perception and reality don't match. Just because you're going to be a top pick, while you're going to be, you know, you're going to get celebrated for here for the next, you know, month or so or two months until training camp start. Who went first round last year? Exactly. You can't – we're a year removed. I think, you know, it, Jamar Chase and so on. So, you can't remember. Kyle Pitts. Look, it is a great honor to, for them to call your phone and say, look, you're going to potentially be a top 32 pick. We're going to fly you and plus five, maybe, because nowadays, good Lord, you see how many people be on stage? I said, there's 30 people up there. Did they fly all those people? You think they flew 30 people? No, they did not. So I do agree, Kevin. Look, it's the catch 22. I don't want to, I'm going to get drafted regardless. If, I, if, if, if I'm if i going to not take advantage of this opportunity because they ain't give me a couple of dollars, come on, man. You're going to get you a free suit. Now everything is viral. We're going to see you get up. We're going to see the person sitting there putting your jacket on, button. I can button my own button. Button your button on, you're going to have, you know, I guarantee Aiden Hutchins on the inside of the jacket going to say Michigan. I guarantee that's what it's going to say. And how many times are you going to wear that? Never again. Whatever you wear on draft day, you know, put it off a charity. You'll never see it again. All right, moving along. Take two, quick question. Hawks and Cleveland tonight. Do the Hawks advance over Cleveland into the first round of the NBA playoffs? Yes, I will be very, very surprised if they lost. I'll be very, very surprised. Because, Kevin, you know, just like I know, the hardest thing to get is that first win. Was able to be very, very impressive against a young, scrappy Charlotte team. I know that Cleveland ain't going to lay down, but for me, I think it's just too much when you look at what Capella's doing, you look at what, you know, what Herder is doing. I mean, you look at what Hunter is doing. And obviously, Trick or Trey is Trick or Trey, the way he's distributing the basketball. Trick or Trey in 2021, number one in points, number one in assists. Deal with it, people. So give me I, – I got my Hawks making it back into the – playing themselves back into the playoffs. Hopefully they can restore some of that 2020 magic, uh, Kevin, that, that, had, that sent them to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of had that, I guess, that Atlanta sports thing where it's like, ah, the Hawks won't get it done against uh, Charlotte. Now I kind of feel like they will move on and get into the, uh, the playoffs. I think there's something to these play-in games where if you can get out of there, you are riding a little bit of momentum where everybody else is kind of sitting around saying – who are we going to play? Who are we going to play? Where are we going to play? What are we going to do? And I think you're out there playing. I, I get fresh legs and all that kind of stuff, but as you know, much like baseball, you go a while without seeing live pitching. It takes a minute to get – you go a few days without taking some jumpers, taking some uh, – you know, getting some work in against, you know, live competition like that, and the playoffs going to say it could have an early effect in a series. I'm not going to say carrot, but an early effect in game one or two. But if you get behind this Hawks team, 0-1, 2 that could be a big swing. So I think the Hawks do it tonight, move on. We'll see how they hold their own uh, coming up this weekend. All right, Ben, finally, take three. It is Jackie Robinson weekend. Really, Jackie Robinson day today, but I believe they kind of carry the celebration on throughout the whole weekend. It's uh, April 15th. Jackie Robinson, everybody wearing number two.
take three. Is Jackie Robinson the most important, I didn't say the best, but the most important sports figure in American sports? I would say so. And, and that's taking nothing away, uh, you know, for what Muhammad Ali meant. You know, I mean, we talk about, you know, the war and different things. But, you know, Jackie Robinson, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Kevin, when you talk about a sport that was obviously white male dominated and broke the color barrier, but it's what he had to endure. But – we act, we act as if Jackie Robinson isn't one of the greatest to ever, you know, touch a baseball. Jackie Robinson was incredible. Yeah. And I think that that that's what bears more weight is, yes, he took the blunt of racism in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the South and just, you know, being hated. on. But in the midst of all that, he was incredible. Like, because I think about it. If he's not as great as he is, yes, he broke the color barrier, but he also showed it. Look, man, you know, black people can play baseball. You know, essentially, you know, uh, Guys like Ron Lacuna Jr., you talk about even though he's not American, I mean, uh, you know, a Latin black man, if you want to call it that. I think I think he did so much, and he had, to, he had to bite his tongue. So whatever he whatever he had to endure, other people had to speak up for him. But, yeah, Jackie Robinson, man, I mean, I'm sorry. The movie 42 was incredible. I mean, you know, Chadwick uh, Boseman, he rest in peace, did an incredible job. But, yes, Kevin, when I think of Jackie Robinson, the first thing you forget, what he, because of how great of a player he became, dude. What he had to endure, so I was sure what he meant, what he meant, what he meant for you know for black people, what he meant for 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 you know people of color in sports and breaking that color barrier. Hey man, it's it's only right. It's a part in the movie to where uh, one of the guys coming to him say, man, I, I want people to know like one day maybe we all will celebrate you, which obviously we do now. So shout out to Jackie. Robinson. Yeah, and I think Major League Baseball has done a good job of uh, doing that. I think Mariano Rivera was the last one to wear forty two. Uh, he kind of got grandfathered in there. Now nobody can wear it, and everybody wears it at the same time, if that makes sense. Like, everybody wears it at least one day a uh, a season in honor of Jackie Robinson, and nobody will wear it at the same time uh, to honor that. But a great job. Anyway, again, I think as far as the impact in society and sports, there hasn't been anybody bigger in America than than, than Jackie Robinson. I Again, I understand your Muhammad Ali take, and that may be in a different sense. Maybe even a Jesse Owens yeah, uh, was what he did at the end. But, 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 but baseball was well, baseball was loved by everybody. Yeah, and I, so I, I think in terms of the yeah. American uh, American society and for what he did for the sport, for American society as well, that was a uh, a big thing. I want to keep talking about that as we go. So we'll talk more about it because it is Jackie Robinson Day in Major League Baseball. We'll hit that next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here, three and out on this Friday, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of. Your day, Jackie Robinson Day around Major League Baseball. Everybody wearing number 42, and of course, April 15th, 1947. Uh, Jackie Robinson playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers broke the, uh, the the color barrier. We just talked about this, about the influence over the game of baseball. And I know people can say, well, baseball needs to do better with this and with that and, and, and what have you. And I, I often think about those arguments and people say, well, you could just do better. I mean, in, in the past couple of years, you have a female general manager with the Florida Marlins, Miami Marlins, excuse me. I always, uh, I keep calling Florida. You had a female coach first base a couple night, just a couple nights ago for the, uh, for the San Francisco Giants. I think, and maybe you can prove me wrong, but I think Major League Baseball, probably culturally, uh, ethnically, one of the most diverse sports, If I think it's probably the most diverse sport in professional sports. NBA is pretty close. Uh, with a number of guys, but you got guys from Australia, Cuba, Dominican Republic, Latin America, Curacao, China, Korea, Japan, Canada, England. I mean, you have guys from everywhere playing Major League Baseball uh, out there. They do have the World Baseball Classic, where you see a bunch of guys from Major League Baseball that have spread out to uh, 
all the different countries uh, that they that they play for in, in that series. So I think that's part of it. That's part of the legacy of you looked at look at baseball in 1947, which obviously is coming up on 80 years ago. And baseball today, one of them is to me the most diverse sport in America in terms of uh, the number of players from different cultures, backgrounds that are playing. Now, are there initiatives people say, hey, we need more African-American players in the league? Maybe, but I think from a diversity standpoint, the product that's on the field is pretty diverse uh, with, with, with guys that you have playing. The most popular guy in the league doesn't really speak English. Yep. Shohei Otani, most popular guy on the Atlanta Braves right now. He speaks a little bit, but doesn't really speak English. Uh, and, and, and Ronald Acuna. So I, I think those are some, to me, the, the lasting legacies of, uh, of Jackie Robinson in the sport, Ben. And I'm glad that several years ago now, uh, Major League Baseball decided to dedicate a day to something that I, I think is very important. Uh, to I, I think so much of what we see in society is like, hey, we just want to hear the word cancel. I, I don't think you want to cancel. I think it's important to look back and say, this is where we came from, right? This is where we were. And this was the guy that did it. And I, I, again, reading up on his life and, and all the things that, that, that happened to him during his life, uh, and people say, why was it Jackie Robinson? Jackie Robinson was, for lack of a better word, in all the research, he was basically, he was picked to be that guy. Mm-hmm. There could have been other guys. Yes. There could have been other guys that did it. Uh, but you look at Branch Rickey, who was with uh, the, the, the Dodgers, who made the decision to do it, uh, and all the reason it was very deliberate why he chose Jackie Robinson. One, he needed a good player. Okay, check. That, that is probably the least of the boxes that had to be checked. Mm-hmm. But it helps as been, in, in, in any situation. We talk about this on the show now, not in terms of race or ethnic background, but if you can play, that writes a lot of wrongs. You can be the biggest jerk off the court, causing problems. If you can play, that will overcome. So you need a guy that can play. To why? To make people look and say, man, this guy can play. Two, and probably more importantly, you needed the right guy to be able to handle all that came with that. Because it wasn't just as simple as, all right, you're going to be the guy. No. You're going to be the guy, and knowing that, this is what comes along with it, and you got to be able to handle that. Again, you don't move mountains by picking up the whole thing and moving it. you got to start with a few rocks and move some more rocks. And what does that mean? I'm here. All right, you're going to take some for being here. But you got to stay here. And then change a few more minds. Change a few more. And I think that was, to me, the impressive thing about when you learn about Jackie Robinson is not that he could play baseball because he could. It's that he was the right guy at the right time in the right place to be able to do that because – Nobody can understand. I mean, maybe there are people who are, but I think in that moment, there are very few people that can understand what he went through. And having to basically be told, listen, this is going to happen. We'll try our best, but it's going to happen. You have to be able to turn the other cheek even though you don't want to. Yeah. Uh, and and we hear this all the time. Be, be the bigger person, take the high road, which is very hard when people are digging the dirt out from under your feet. And I think he was the right guy at the right time to do that. And I'm, again, so glad that Major League Baseball decided to do that because, again, I don't know that there's a more important person in the history of the game, not Babe Ruth, not anybody else that did a lot, not Barry Bonds, anybody else. That's the most important guy that has ever put on a baseball uniform in your sport ever, and it's not even close. Never going to be. It ain't Hank Aaron and anybody else. It's him, and that's it. Yeah, and, the th- and I think you said it too, Kevin. When, you, when people talk about cultural significance, 
you you said something about Mr. Ricky. You got an owner. Cause, cause a lot of things had to happen. You had to have an owner that's been to go against everything, sure. and he goes, "Look, man, it's got to happen." But he goes, "I know a guy. Why? I see the way he plays in the Negro leagues. I see his demeanor. It was a part in the movie Forty Two. You know, uh, Chadwick Boseman. He rests in peace. He says, "Why are you doing this, Mister Ricky?" He says, "Cause, man, it's like we have to decide when change happens. Like we have to decide." So me, at I, I'm the type of owner. That can deal with, uh, listen, I'm going to deal with parts that you ain't going to see. I'm dealing with the ownership part. You got to deal with your, before Jackie Robinson could even win baseball, he had to win in his own dugout, his own team. Sure. Then he realizes too, hey, man, this dude can play. And I think what you said, Kevin, when you say, look, man, he is the most, he is the one. He he changed baseball. How many other players you can't, when you say you can't, most of the time you can't wear a number on a team. No, you can't wear this number, period. You can't wear it. And I and I you can't appreciate baseball, man. Baseball is America's pastime. Baseball is where you know we look. Whether you're a baseball fan or not, you you understood it. What I think with a guy in, in those times, like you say, Kevin, there was no teams in the South, right? So he had to play, you know, up north. He had to deal with all this. But at the same time, we'll never know what he had to grit and bear. Sure. But at, but for Mister Ricky to say, dude, I like my dad to say, boy, the easiest thing to be is the second. The hardest thing to ever be is the first. Because there is no blueprint. There is nothing to go off of. But by him enduring it and by him staying the course and just understanding, all right, man. Because who knows how long it took him. It, it, it's, a, it's a part on there, too. Uh, the guy that's playing, they, they had a guy that went around with him that, you know, like a, like a, a quote, black uh, journalist who wrote about him every day. And he said, look, man, you ever, you know, you ever they say you want to see them balls coming in slow. You want to hear them questions come in even slower. It's almost like he had to be a step ahead no matter what. Yes, they're going to hit him. Yes, they're going to tell him, you know, we don't let, you know, black people stay in this hotel or in this city or play in this ballpark. But in the process, he was a hell of a baseball player. Like, that's the thing. It's like Mr. Ricky didn't just pick a guy because he wanted to integrate baseball. No. Often to pick the guy that can handle it. And, hey, man, the cultural significance is incredible. And I just think that when you think about no no one, I mean, he wanted to, listen, he wanted to play in the bigs. He just didn't know he was gonna be the first one to play in the big like, <laughs> like you know, because it's overwhelming. Sure. But yeah, man, you said it. You said it right, Kevin. The more you read up on Jackie Robinson, the more you realize. Look, man, sometimes, man, you don't know why you you know you don't know uh, why you born in this life, and then you got a guy like him. To us, to certain people, say it's just sport. Yeah, but to him, hey, man, I'm a I'm an iconic figure, and I didn't get in this sport to be that. Somebody had to be the right me. person at the right at the right time Absolutely. at the at the important place, and again. We'll see that all over Major League Baseball today. Everybody wearing 42 on Jackie Robinson Day, April 15th, 1947. His first day in the big leagues with... Georgia boy, by the way, for you, those true, you yeah. don't know. K-Ro. K- yes. K-Ro Georgia. Is that, K- is that what K-Ro syrup? Is that is that it? Uh, I, I, I could well, be they wrong. are the syrup makers. I could be wrong. The, 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 well, I mean, I, I'm going to sound like an idiot. But yes, I mean, they, K-Ro syrup is spelled... Uh, is it's it, not spelled the same way. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I just know. Right? Just, yeah, I could be. Listen, I could be wrong. I'm just, listen, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking credit for Jackie Robinson. But they are the K-Row syrup Georgia. makers. And then, and then he ends up going to uh, UCLA. Yeah. And playing there. And then, obviously, the rest is very much history, uh, as they say. We've got more to come here. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out. On this Friday, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you were with us. Less than two weeks to go until the draft. Atlanta, 
Well, they can do pretty much anything. I, we, we talked a little bit earlier on the show with Ryan Roberts about the quarterbacks in this draft, Ben. I mean, do you think there's a quarterback worth taking if you're Atlanta? And, and I'm not saying there's not a quarterback that can play. I'm saying given the state of your franchise, where you are, you're obviously trying to rebuild the talent that's currently on your team. Is there a quarterback worth taking in this draft? <sighs> not for it. Not not for Atlanta. Not for not for Atlanta. I mean, is it because I think what happens is Kevin. It goes back to what I be saying about the infrastructure has to be built up. No, no longer is the days to where I get to. You know, I build from the quarterback out. No, I, I want to build from the outside, and I want to get my offensive line. I want to get my defensive line. I want to get the pieces around him. That way, by the, I want to play. I want. I want my quarterback to be the missing piece, not a piece. And Malik Willis, uh, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, any one of those guys is going to get beat up. Whatever. Marcus Mariota signed a two-year contract in the offseason to be the starting quarterback for Atlanta. Marcus Mariota is playing for his football life, his football future. Marcus Mariota has been in the league long enough to understand that, that, that what it is to get hit and get back up. I don't want to kill the confidence of any one of these young quarterbacks because by the time he's ready to do anything, his confidence is gone. So, no, Atlanta, I'm sorry. You know, if Matty Ice is not the guy, if you get a guy like Marcus Mariota, the last thing you want to do is bring in a guy, you know, you know, uh, the normal eighth overall pick. Because, Kevin, you know just like I know, Marcus Mariota is probably not going to play the best. But even if he does one thing wrong, they're going to be vowing for the young guy to come in. And once again, you you definitely going to be picking in the top ten, maybe top five uh, in 2023. But, no, I, I would just say for this team, as, as, as it's put together, whatever you want to call it put together, no, I don't see a quarterback in this draft that would be suitable to, uh, for them to take. All right, so if you're looking at quarterback, are you rolling with Marcus Mariota this season or are, given the discontent that we see out there with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, are you trying to make a play for them, trade for one of those guys, or are you just looking at your roster going, man, it doesn't matter if we have Kyler Murray right now. We're not going to be very good. Is it worth giving up something to try to get one of those guys versus let's just build the team through the draft? No, it's not. Because I think when you think about a guy like Kyler Murray, you got to look at what he has at his disposal. You got to look at the way he plays quarterback. He plays quarterback and he has, has a really, really big arm. Obviously, he's going to be able to help you uh, as a dual threat guy that can make plays with his legs. But he, but he plays his best football at the beginning of the season. He kind of tells, you know, he kind of tapers off the last part of the season because, let's face it, he's not the biggest guy. So what people going to they're going to start hitting him a lot, and they're going to just wear his body down. Baker Mayfield, I'm sorry. Baker Mayfield had two of everything. He had two tight ends. He had two <laughs> running backs. He had two receivers. He had, he had a good offensive line. He had a solid defense, had a solid team, and he's been to the playoffs one time. I just – and Kevin, you got to think this too. With the going, these guys are still on rookie deal. So if you bring in a Kyler Murray, you bring in a Baker Mayfield, you're gonna have to give them mm. when it's re up time. Yeah, Ooh, I mean, all I know is Derek Carr got a three year, hundred and twenty one million dollar extension. Derek Carr, and I think he's on his like third contract, maybe fourth. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, it's on their rookie deals. Those dudes are gonna command easily two hundred and fifty million dollars. That's that. That's gonna be the starting rate. Plus, you're talking about two back-to-back number one overall picks. That means something. So I would I would stay away from now. Do I like a veteran? Yes. Not just not that one. Not 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 Baker Mayfield, <laughs> not Kyler Murray. Because I think the thing about Kyler Murray is he's good, not great. Right? Really, really good. He's always in the early uh MVP voting and he tapers off. Well, Kyler Murray's good, he's real good. And Kyler Murray will do some stuff to make you go, what? Kyler Murray was running out the back of the end zone, got spun around in the end zone, and flinged the ball, and the ball got picked off for a touch. Like, like you got to deal with it. Baker Mayfield, he's very – he, he, he seems to be a guy that wants to be liked more, like by the fan base, by the team. 
hey man, look, you in the National Football League. You know, your wife needs to like you. You know, that, that outside of that, it, it's, it's, you know, so I'm just saying. So for me, I like both of those guys, but once again, Atlanta is such a unique place, so I was I will stay away from those two guys. And again, it's such an interesting uh, standpoint uh, for, for Atlanta because, like you said, you have Marcus Mariota. Do you just look at him and say, look, this is this is your gig this year, whether we draft a quarterback or not. Probably next year in a better quarterback draft, the Falcons are going to get one, uh, Ben, and just say, Marcus, you're here to to groom that guy. And no, I, I know you have said this a number of times. Look, I'm out here trying to keep my job, not groom somebody to take my job. But that's really what you're asking Marcus Mariota, Mar- Marcus Mariota to do, right? I mean, it, hey, this year's your year. Yeah. If you want to dip, I guess we, we could try to trade you, but you just know whether it's this year, next year, the Falcons are going to be drafting a quarterback. That's not good for you if you're Marcus Mariota. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of with you on Kyler Murray. I think if you go out, you, you kind of be in the same financial situation you were with Matt Ryan and not as good a quarterback. Yeah. So it's like, hey, we're going to have to pay this guy a boatload of money, going to put us right back in financial straits, and we don't have enough players around him to be good anyway. Uh, so I, this is interesting. Uh, I, I don't think they take quarterback. Even if all the quarterbacks are there at eight, I, I'm not taking one. And it would be very tempting. I get it. Hey, Malik Willis sitting there, I might have to think about it. Yeah. That's why they give you 15 minutes or five minutes or whatever it is now to sit there and go, oh, maybe I think about it, but ultimately I'm not doing it. I, 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 there are so many holes on this team. Uh, you you got to go somewhere else. Is there a position, Ben, that if they don't address it, you're okay with? Because I know a couple of years ago everybody's like, everybody going to the drafts like Falcons need linebackers, Falcons need linebackers, and then they didn't draft a single linebacker at all. This was, I think, maybe three or four years ago uh, where – it was a glaring weakness, a glaring need. They did nothing, and people were going, what are you doing? But is there a position right now, if they don't address it in the draft, you're actually, it's okay. I mean, they, they have holes everywhere. I get it. But is there a position you feel like they're fine if they don't do anything? I think it's going to be running back because I think I think uh, what happens is, Kevin, you really don't you really haven't established anything with this offense to know what type of offense you're running. You don't know. Is it going to be run first? Is it going to be pass second? Is it going to be pass first, run second? So I think if they don't address the running back position, I think you can still, when you talk about camp casualties, because you're going to have some guys that still got some left in the tank, but because they got too high of a price tag, might get let go on training camp, you could bring them in. You're going to have some, you're going to have some guys, you know, uh, you know, just maybe, maybe show, you know, Mike Davis can show some promise in his second year signing the two year deal. And another position I think I, I think they'll just be just fine at, I think it's safety. I think the thing about it is. The thing about your safety position is this: if you don't got a dynamic safety, right? You got a middle of the road. You got you got a you know you got a you got a pro, but they're not safeties. Either they're really really impactful, or they just one of the one of eleven. And I think when you think about this, because because there are certain things they they got they got to address. They got to address D line. I think they got to address receiver. And dare I say, I mean. I think they might have to address linebacker too because the leading your leading tackler not just for your team but in the league is now a Jacksonville Jaguar. So I think you might have so but for me yeah running back is one safety is another one cuz look they get a safety last year. Out of freaking UCF. Not yeah Richie Grant. Yeah. Richie Grant did, didn't and and that's another thing, right? Uh you got to see what you got from 2021. Like a, like you know you got a Kyle Pitts, but he got one touchdown, not even in the stakes, right? <laughs> I love Cowboys. That's got to change, obviously. Right? Yeah. But 
Some of those 2021s, they have to pay dividends in 2022. They got to contribute. Every last rookie in 2021 has to contribute. I don't think they got to be an all-pro, but they got to contribute. And that's another thing about these 2022 draft picks. If you get drafted with Atlanta this year, oh, I ain't going to be no, I got to learn the game. You're going to learn why you out there because you got to play. So, I, I, for me, I would just go uh, running back and safety. You know, I mean, because I think, one, once again, you don't got the Kyle Shanahan offense. You can just play and plug anybody. But running back is such a – it's such an iffy position because even if they're impactful stats-wise, or they help you win games. Yeah, or, Patterson, or they, or, or, who I guess can. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Court, let's just say this: they said Cordell Patterson was an outlier because his best year as a pro was last year. His best year as a pro. Now that could have been by default because they could use him all over the yeah. field. <laughs> but at the same time, you add a Marcus Mariota who is who's a dual threat with a Cordell Patterson who obviously is a utility is you know is utility player you can go out there and do a lot of things well who knows they can get cuz once again we don't know what type of offense they got Matty Ice made that thing go and they still ain't have nobody outside of Kyle Pitts to throw the ball to this year you get a Marcus Mariota who's who's really fighting for his football future we'll see but Arthur Smith as of 2021 we still have no clue what your offensive identity is and again, nobody knows what the Falcons are going to do. I mean, we we talked to Ryan Roberts earlier, and I said, "Hey, man, the Falcons have so many holes. It, you know, it looks like a cheese grater. Uh, you know, if they were trying to, you know, fill so many holes, what are they going to do?" He's like, "Oh, that's what's so fun because you could really just throw." I mean, Ben, have we talked to the last? Oh, I don't think we've had a single draft analyst on it. We've talked to a bunch who have said, "Man, I feel like the Falcons really strongly want Kyle Hamilton." They're like. Oh, it's just going to be who the best guy is. Yep. Eight, they're taking him. Like that, and it's like so. I mean, in some ways, you're like, what a draft plan. We could literally take anybody. Versus, we got a glaring need that we got to fill. I mean, I, I think Jacksonville's kind of in that boat where it's like, we got a couple of glaring needs where we got to address it and we got to get it right. Versus the Falcons, who are like, I literally could take anybody, and it probably, probably would work. Yeah. Well, Kevin, this is the thing, right? If you had eight. It's what's really going to decide what you still got today is how many. Okay, how many old how many old linemen go in on you know, the top seven picks, and how many quarterbacks? Because if you get two old linemen, just say Aiden Hutchinson going to go number one. All right, so now you got you got six more you got six more slots. Just say you know uh, a quarterback goes to Carolina. All right, so now you are down to five. So now you got five more. Just say Evan Neal is gone. So now you got okay. So that's three players gone. Boom, you number eight. That's five more guys. If Somebody, if somebody don't love Kayvon Thibodeau, if Kayvon Thibodeau is at eight, you got to get him because Kayvon Thibodeau is good enough to be the number one overall pick. I don't know why people don't like Kayvon Thibodeau as much as they love Aiden Hutchinson. I, 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 I want to understand it. It's fine, but I guess it happens. But if Kayvon Thibodeau is gone and Kyle Hamilton is there, hey, hey, I mean. You got to get you got to get him because I think what he does for your team is he makes your team better on the back end with a very very young secondary. You talking about Grant with 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 with, with you know with AJ Terrell who was as far as like how he played was top five in cornerbacks last year. Now I don't know how much that's gonna mean if you don't got a D line or a front seven that can help, but I think I think Kevin that they're in a good position because you know you're not going quarterback. Receiver could be obviously receiver is gonna be you know a top priority. Could you get a great receiver in the second round? Probably. And, and, and look, if they're when, when you say receivers, it's going to be three guys they coveted. It may be Drake London, Garrett, maybe Chris Olave, right? Where are, you, about, where, are you, where are you on a guy like Jamison Williams? I, I like Because him. it seems like there's three guys. Uh, I like Obviously, him. George Pickens coming off injury. He played a little bit. Yeah. But you have uh, Mechie uh, yep. and coming off injury and Jamison Williams. Oh, Jamison Williams, like, man. When you look at uh, the situation like that, 
Obviously, when they're healthy, they're big-time playmakers. Yes. But I've seen a lot of people say Jameson Williams still top 15 oh, pick. Yes. Oh, yes. How do you evaluate, especially on a team that needs somebody, uh, would you go, if, if you like him, would you go get him and just say he'll, he'll be healthy by week three or whatever? Or, or do you say we can't take that chance because we need somebody that can play immediately? To help our team, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust my training staff. If my train if he if he's came and visited us, and we've taken that ankle and said, "Listen, man, we're gonna twist this thing now, <laughs> just to make sure, and we're gonna break it." If James and Wiggins, now Drake London got size, you cannot he right. now he got hurt early in the season, still had almost a freaking thousand yards, got hurt in the season. He's a big body guy. James, if I had to pick between James and Williams, uh, you know, uh, Drake London and freaking Mechie, I'm going James and Williams. You cannot. You cannot coach speed, and he got speed. To, people say he might have lost step. He's still faster than most. So if I'm dealing with guys who essentially was injured, give me the guy that that torched Georgia. Not, not, not hurt him, torched them. If he plays in the national championship, doesn't mean they're going to win. And if Messi plays, probably a totally different game. But when they played, you couldn't do nothing with him. I like Messi. I think Messi's going to be more of like a third, maybe fourth-round pick. But, yeah, James Williams, hey, man. If I can, listen, sorry, USC. If I got to pick between a USC player and an Alabama player, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going with Alabama from what I've seen. But, yeah, James Williams, he could definitely help. And I think, too, Kevin, the Tatum, all the Tatum, those guys, the guys who they picked up in the offseason, while they're not Pro Bowl caliber receivers, they've been in the league three or four years. So they understand the game. Somebody got to show this young man the way. And if I know I got to be a tutor and I embrace that role, that's what's yeah. going to make the guy I'm tutoring a better player. We've got more to come here. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on this Friday. We'll chat with Jason Poe, former Mercer Bear, getting ready for the NFL draft. Really caught a lot of uh, social media eyes, put his own workout tape up there, said NFL, here I am. And as an interior line, ran a 4-8. And going through some of the drills, uh, looking pretty good. We'll talk to him about that process and kind of marketing yourself uh, to the National Football League. So uh, we'll get to that Georgia spring game coming up. we got... Mike on uh, you watching us on the YouTube channel saying what's up guys in Athens for the spring game. Appreciate you watching, Mike. Yep. And I know uh, we talked to Christian earlier in the show about what to look for uh, there out of Georgia, and a lot of guys on defense, especially, going to get their chance to kind of step into their new role. Oh yeah, listen, I'll, I'll uh, for my neck of the woods, Nola Smith. I mean, get to be, get to see what it's like to be a headliner, being a guy that's you know once again just like a Kayvon Thibodeau and some publications uh, four years ago, uh, Kevin, number one number one recruit in the country. Uh, get a chance to go out there and kind of be one of the leaders, uh, you know, not just on that defensive line, but the defense as a whole as a, as a team, but. I just think this Georgia team, you know, postseason aspirations. You know, you know what they got coming back. Kirby knows that look, they stockpile. The fact that they got, you know, they got so many guys that you know on the roster, they can't even get guys in the transfer portal. But yeah, Georgia, different year, same result. You want to try, you want to count healthy bodies. But yeah, it should be a, you know, it, it, it it's gonna be star studded. It's gonna be a lot of a lot of former dogs in the house, you know, to represent, the, you know, the, the, the national champs. At but, least uh, ten thousand. Oh yeah, at least, at least ten. At least ten. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, George, 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 that's the minute. Listen, he's a, he's a captain of the ship, and I, I have will, one will, series get off the field. That's what oh I yeah, mean. yeah. Stetson goes out here. You know, he goes out. You know, he got that big puffy. You know, that big puffy little afro hair he got. I like it. He go out there, and show some control, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what some young guys who've been who've been by, you know waiting their time to go out there and prove it. I'm saying we got more to come here on the show. Jason Poe, as we mentioned, will join us when we come back to start the uh, the final hour. Also, Braves and Padres coming up. Uh, later tonight, of course, it's Jackie Robinson Day. They'll all wear 42 out there on the West Coast this evening. More importantly for the uh, the Braves as well, 
need a dub. Uh, after the way they got uh, shellac last night, they'll have uh, Mackenzie Gore making his major league debut for the Padres, so maybe a chance for them to get back to their winning way. So all that to come and more, hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com, also live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. As we mentioned, go to our YouTube channel, at ESPN Coastal. Hit that uh, subscribe button. You'll know every time we go live here on the show each and every day, or just go back and watch the show uh, each and every day after we're done. We'll see you coming on the flip side. Final hour of the show. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Final hour of three and out on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. We'll look at Georgia. Spring game coming up tomorrow in Athens. I know a lot of folks uh, excited about that. Hey, defending national champions. Should be a lot of excitement going into that, plus the build-up, obviously, to the 2022 uh, college football season. So we'll look at that. Hawks in Cleveland tonight. And more football, more football, more football. We'll tell you what we mean about that coming up as well. But Ben, right off the bat here, final hour, young man. Uh, who's made a lot of social media uh, waves the last uh, day or so with his tape, putting himself out there, getting ready for the NFL draft, interior offensive lineman, and fullback, as he said, out of uh, Mercer. Jason Poe joins us here on 3 and Out. Jason, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you guys? Hey, we're, we're doing fantastic. And uh, I, I know you've got a lot of eyeballs on you the last couple of days for putting out your own workout tape, getting ready for the, uh, the NFL draft. First and foremost, what kind of gave you the idea to say, hey, I'm at Mercer. Maybe I'm not uh, a highly thought of prospect. I'm going to do what people do in high school when they're trying to get. I'm going to put together my tape. You can watch me work out. You can watch me run routes. You can watch me do drills and put it out there for you. What kind of led you to say, let me give this a shot? Uh, man, you know, I've been going on visits and stuff like that between me and my agents and stuff. So the team's like, man, you can block really well. We've seen that for years. They want to see if I can actually catch. So. They had that set up, and we had to do that, and I just put it out there. Yeah, but Jason, I mean, you you talking about they want they want to know if you can catch. I mean, I'm I mean I'm I'm look I'm look I mean I'm looking at the awards, man. I mean, one the Jacobs blocking trophy, give it to the best offensive lineman in the South Atlantic Conference. Name first team All Team Conference, first team All Team All Region, second as a Don, you know, hands the second team All American. What made you decide though? Okay. I know I got sweet feet. I'm, I'm watching you running angle routes. I'm watching you running real routes. I'm watching you, you know, run out uh, go routes. What made you say, okay, I'm a six one, six two, three hundred pounder that got sweet feet? Like I said, man, the scouts wanted to see it, man, and I just knew I had that athleticism playing fullback uh, in my, my freshman year of college. So you know, it brought back memories, even though I was three hundred pounds, man. Talk about the last couple years of uh, football for you. I know uh, COVID year, I know that. What uh, was the last couple of years of football been like for you? I know it started out at Lenore Ryan, then to Mercer. Kind of tell folks that football background and the journey you've been on. All right. Originally, man, I'm from Fitzgerald, Georgia, man. Went to Fitzgerald High School, started out at guard, right guard, started playing my junior year. Then uh, I was two time out state there at high school. Then I went on to Hutchinson Community College, Juco in Kansas, man, played fullback. I was around 230. Then I went on to Lenore Ryan and played there for some years. I was All-American all of those years I was there. Uh, Don Hanson Award that you just said, and uh, I was All-Region, Super Region 2 first team. So I had all those accolades. And then for my last year, man, I graduated LR, and I wanted to, to go to Mercer University for my grad year. It's closer to home. So I said, oh, you know, if you're good, they're going to find you. So I didn't care where I went. Jason, when you 
You think about your journey with everything. You talk about community college. You talk about Lenore Ryan. You talk about being from Fifth Jerry. You talk about the different things that you had to overcome. And obviously, you already got your degree. How much more does that prepare you as a pro when you say, look, man, I've, I've, I I did it the hard way. I did it I did it my way. But I'm more prepared because I've done it in a way to where you're going to get a quality human being, not just a quality football player. Exactly, man. I, I've been doing it the way because I've been – I came from – you know, I got a trip on my shoulder, so, you know – Coming from all that background, man, you just have to trust God and, you know, trust the process, man, and, you know, just stay on the right right path. So you do that, man, you'll be all right. Well, Jason, I mean, you obviously, you're going viral right now with your video. If a team does call you, uh, you know, when the draft comes to bring you into camp, what type of player are they getting? Man, they're going to get a – first of all, they're going to get a great young man, you know, great personality, going to treat people right, trustworthy. But most importantly, they're going to get uh, – on the field, they're going to get – you know, hard-nosed guy that's going to hit you, hit you until you stop. You talk about the what you're showing there on tape, that versatility. Have you have you heard from some uh, from some teams at all since you've done this? Have you had some teams reach out and say, hey, we're kind of taking a look at a, at a guy that can can be a versatile player for us? Yes, sir, I have. So some teams, you know, everybody see you different. Some see you as a center guard, some want you fullback. So, like I said, that video just stamped like, can he, can he catch? So, that, so they don't have no more questions in that area. Now, Jason, okay, you say you play football. I mean, I'm sorry, you play, you play fullback and obviously you play golf. Which one would you prefer the most? Hey, man, honestly, I play anything. I don't care as long as I'm hitting somebody. Now, Jason, now, I, I got to say this. Now, I, I, when I see you, I, you remind me of the fullback of, uh, you know, for the Ravens. He started off at D-tackle. Uh, D, D, uh, D now he just got a contract extension at the fullback position. You telling me you're going to be the first guy that play guard all down the field and when y'all get on the goal line, you the lead blocker? Hey, you never know. If they call me, I'm going to do it. Now, Jason, man, when I, when I, when, what, I, what I love the most about what you're doing is you're showing what social media does. Like a lot of times, yes, it's a it's a chance to brand yourself, market yourself. But you're saying, look, man, let me utilize this thing to show what I can do. And I think that the way you scripted it, from the from the running routes to uh, you know uh, you know uh, you know uh, blocking and pulling and different things, who came? Did you did you come up with the idea on your own? Did somebody say, man, put out something to show what we've been seeing? And the fact that you haven't played football for the last two years and you still in this type of shape, man, what does that say to like your work ethic? Man, it means a lot of things. You know, I'm hard work. I want to stay at it. Like you know, I had this previous season with Mercer, man, and it was great. So you know, at this weight, they they haven't seen me playing fullback or nothing like that at this weight. So I just you know that was just showing them that hey, man, I'm still in shape at this weight. I can run and route to this at this shape and, and this size, so it don't matter. It's the same thing. I'm the same player. Now, 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 this, that, now, Jason, this is the thing now. Okay, we always <laughs> talking about ushering in new things now. Now, fullbacks already trying to figure out, you know, how to get on the field. Now, they got 6'2", 300-pounders running 4'8". You, you about to be – so you're telling me now, listen, 300-pounders that not only can y'all block guys right in front of you, hey, man, I can get out there, I can run an angle route, and I can be the lead block. I can lead up on, on, on old Bobby Wagner. Yeah, man, it's all about being versatile, man. So that's what they want, man. I'm trying to get more than enough, so so they can't miss me. And Jason, man, if if you know the draft is a couple of weeks away, if indeed a team does invite you to camp, with everything you've gone through from Fitzgerald to Community College to Lenore Ryan to to Mercer, what is it gonna mean to you? It's gonna mean a lot, man. Like I said, at the end of the day, man, all of this stuff is a bonus for me. Either it's drafted or a shot. So either one I get, I'm gonna take a full opportunity of it. So. Whatever God bless me with, man, I'm going to go get it.
Now, Jason, listen, man. I mean, what, what type of athletes y'all breeding up there and making, man? I know about y'all Mercer boys. What in the world going on? 300 pounds on supposed to – I mean, I, th- I thought you, you did everything but turn a backwards flip. Can you turn a flip? Hey, I ain't did it yet, but hey, they actually – I'm going to end up doing it. And put that on tape uh, as well. Why not? Uh, Jason Poe joining us here on 3 Out. Jason, man, we really appreciate you coming on. Joy following uh, your journey. Best of luck to you, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate you guys, man. Appreciate it. Jason Poe joining us here on 3 and Out. Has, again, been a, you can go watch him on, again, kind of organically put himself out there. Said, look, and as you said, uh, as someone who's been in the football, he said, man, I watched this, and I was like, Okay, this is just going to be a guy putting out his tape. You know, you see a hundred of these, yeah, uh, potentially with high school kids a lot. But this is a guy trying to do go to the pros. Like, hey, no pro day. This is me running routes, three hundred pounds, four eight. Put his bench numbers up there. As you said, combine that with some offensive guard drills, snapping the ball, pull drills, uh, things of that nature. And it's really cool to see a guy in this day and age who's like, hey, maybe not mostly talked about, but still put it out there. Said, hey, NFL teams, this is what I can do. I'm, I'm 295 pounds. I can run. I can catch. Talk about mismatch. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Two, now you got to deal with uh, fourth and one and 298 pounds and not a guy that plays tackle all the time. Or go, this is a guy that, oh, yeah, I can maybe juke you a little bit. Four, eight, little, ah! Uh-huh. I, I like. I, is, I, is there a worse feeling in the world, Ben, if you're on the field and the guy that's 295 goes, yeah. makes you go, ah? Well, of course, cause, cause, of course, because it's a business decision. Like, think <laughs> about it. You know, if the cornerback, you know, listen, if I, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna call, I'm not gonna call any DBs out because I'm, I'm not here to, you know, mess with nobody's money. But if a 190 pound DB sees 300 <laughs> coming at him, he's like, I'm about to tear some ankles. I'm about to tear some ankles up. But the thing about a guy like Jason Poe is he's more of a true representation of. Uh, you know, uh, you know, draft eligible players. We get caught up in the Aiden Hudges and the Kayvon Thibodeaux and Sauce Walkers, I mean, Sauce Gardens, and so on and so forth. That's 32 guys. You still got, you know, you still got the second through the seventh round, or you got the undrafted guys. A guy like Jason Poe is saying, look, man, community college, Lenore Ryan, Mercer, I'm a graduate student. I, I, I've, I've done it my way. And they say the guys that have the better careers are the guys who've already graduated. But like he said, he said, I, I went from 230 when I was at, you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, Lenore Ryan, I'm, I'm coming to be murdered. I'm 300. Let's do it. But I still got that. Because, Kevin, the one thing we saw on his tape, fluid athlete. I didn't see no stiffness. To put it into context, Jaden Watermeyer, and I'm not. Clowning Jaden, the tight end coming out of Texas. No, you kind of are. No, 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 no. no, 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 no you would. I, I know what you're gonna say, no, 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 but I'm I know what you're gonna say. I'm not gonna do the RS. No, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna do that. Do but, it. I think you should. Well, this is the thing. Especially yeah. when you can follow it up with your score. Okay, no, I'm not gonna make <laughs> I will say this. Jaden Watermeyer is 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 he's a he's an inch taller than Joe. I mean than Jay than, than Jason. Then he's giving up. I mean, I mean, Poe was probably what fifty pounds heavier, right? Jaden Watermeyer ran a five two. A offensive guard at Mercer just ran a 4-8. Think, I think Jada Watermeyer did like, I don't know, about 17 on the bench. Jada Watermeyer, I mean, uh, you know, Poe just did 34 on the bench. All I'm saying is, one, Poe is athletic. Jada Watermeyer is an athlete. There is a difference. And I think, Kevin, what Joe just showed you, or, you know, I mean, what Poe just showed you is, hey, man, this is who I am. Hey, man, we want you to run some routes. All right. 
Like, I don't know if he's ever went viral the way he did. This thing, last time I checked, this thing was almost 40,000 views. Now, I know we live in the viewership right, world yeah. of things. I get it. I know that's not everybody in the world, but in our line of work, that stuff means something. Make it Georgia, Mercer, you know, be very, very proud of yourself, Mr. Pope, regardless of what happens, because he said, look, I can leave it all out there. But he was a fluid athlete, Kevin. Like I say, when people go, hey, man, how 300 pounders moving these days? Show them that. I, I, I ain't never seen, look, I, I've seen I've seen 300 pounders move. This boy has some sweet feet. I mean, I'm like, he out there, didn't drop the ball, looking good, tracking the ball in the air, then showing off what he does. Uh, you know, backpedaling. Hey man, y'all, y'all, y'all de- y'all defense, I mean, y'all, y'all linebackers get ready. Cause if they get pulled <laughs> jersey, he coming up through that hole with some with some with some adrenaline. And that's a country. Fitzgerald Georgia, yeah. that's a country boy coming up through that it's hole. It's the uh it's the return of the fullback. <laughs> Uh, in the National Football League. Ben's like, enough of these tight ends, calling them fullbacks. Oh, yeah, better, better. Yeah, I, I would love Poe. I would like Poe. Because they got me, listen, they got me trying to trying to come up on the linebacker. That ain't what I do. So you you get on back there and do it. <laughs> I would have loved, I would love to see your face the first time. You're like, Ben, we're going to have you be H-back on the oh, Excuse no, no, me. I had to do it before. I, I, I'm not saying you have to do it, but you're like, you, you want me to do what now? You want me to come through the hole, and you want me to hit Ray Lewis in the teeth. I thought I was supposed to. I, I, had to, listen, I, I, I was going to run an out route and say, "Throw me the ball." It was. It was. It was. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, something like right open. Right means right open means you got to you got to tight. It was two tight ends. Me and Eric Kidd. Tight. The, the wide tight end is, is on the right with his hand on the ground. Open means I'm in the backfield. I like right open. That's me. <laughs> and, I, and I'm in the backfield, and I had to lead block against the Texans. Now I hope y'all don't find that tape. You're gonna see a 84 coming through the hole. I said, wait a minute. I'm taller than the running back, and I'm taller than the freaking D lineman, and I'm taller than the linebacker, and being come through the hole low. What? Man, I'm about to come through the hole nervous, and y'all. All I'm saying is, I, my my time at fullback was short lived. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> More to come here, three and out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. You can also comment on Facebook, Twitter, our YouTube channel. Uh, as well as three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back, final hour here, three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Spring games tomorrow around the SEC. You had Florida's last night, Ben. You were telling me what forty five thousand there yeah. in uh, in Gainesville to yeah. watch Billy Napier's uh, squad. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, Kevin, look once again. Ain't a lot going on in Gainesville. Let's, let's, let's just call it what it is. <laughs> but the Billy Napier uh, era is, uh, is is officially here. I think that when you look at the fact that a stadium that holds, what, roughly 90-something thousand, you, put, you packed half of it. Obviously, all eyes was on Anthony Richardson, AR-15. The starters looked really, really good. It was a blowout. I think team, I think the blue won like 35-0. to zero. But I just think when you think about, you know, that new energy, a uh, new regime, a new coach, uh, you know, uh, you know, just a new, new, a new destination. Hopefully, and it's not gonna be easy. You know, Georgia. You know, Georgia plays tomorrow, so Florida gets this. You know, twenty four hours of of uh, just gloating a little bit because you're going up against each other. But Billy Napier comes in with a format that hopefully is gonna gonna resonate in the SEC. Coming over from Louisiana, back to back Sun Belt uh, champions. Uh, want to run the football. Want to establish the run. Want to play complementary defense. Javon Dexter should be. Has all SEC, all American uh, type caliber player Brenton Cox, Ventrell Miller, Trey Dean, Marshall. It's going to come down to who you're going to throw the ball to on offense. You got Henderson, you got Whitmore, you know, you got Justin Shorter. Who's going to be who's going to be the stable of backs with Lingard and Etienne? You know, uh, you know, I, I just, I just, you know, Naquan and those guys. I just think for Florida, it's going to be hey. 
you got to compete right now to stay, you know, relevant when it comes to the boys from Athens, which that's that's that and obviously we're talking well into the season. But yeah, Kevin, 45,000 45, has some former players there. You know, Grenard. I mean, uh I think uh you had some big time players on the sideline as far as like former players there, but the atmosphere was electric, it was under the lights, it felt good. You know, we still got that damn monetization in our mouth, and that's not going to go away until the, you know you, uh, you got to kick it off for real against them Utah U's, which ain't going which ain't going to be an easy win, by the way. But look, I will say this: two things happened last night that I appreciate. One, Billy Napier said the black jerseys are going to be worn; they're going to be worn, <laughs> people, and I'm gonna need mine. Right? I'm just telling that. Number You're two, already reaching out for the hookup. I mean, I, I, just, I, I, I use an old call down there to try to use the old "Hey man, what's up?" But I'm gonna need that. Number two, I saw a chain. On the sideline, the Billy Napier said, "Look, that w- that I was unaware that it happened. It will not be going on on my watch. We ain't doing no chains, like I said, Kevin. We ain't doing no off-colored uh, uh, book bags. You don't need no gimmicks. Get used to making plays. You want to put some around your neck? Yeah, put a towel around your neck. Put some water in your mouth. Get ready for the next series. How about that? But yeah, for one night, it, it was electric in the swamp last night. Georgia go this weekend. Uh, they're obviously defending national champs. What are we looking at there? Because they lost their." Got a lot of new faces. A number of the guys that are gone are going to have their names called in two weeks uh, in the draft, uh, and so rightfully so. But what are we looking at at spring? I know Christian said, I, I just want to see Georgia injury-free. That's, I mean, that's that's a weak take. I mean, yeah. that, everybody understands that. But there are certainly guys that are stepping into roles where they're going to get a chance to shine here. Yeah, I want to listen. I mean, when you think about when you think about a guy like Stetson Bennett, go out there and control the offense for a couple of series, get some cheers, get him out the way. Who's going to – Who's going to replace Jordan Davis? Who's going to replace Javon Walker? Who's going to replace Nicole Dean? Who's going to replace Sing? That 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 historic defense is going to have a lot of young guys that played sparingly. Is Nola Smith ready to take on that uh that, that you know that star role? Uh, and on offense, are they going to? What is the offense? It's going to and Kevin, you know, just like it's going to be vanilla. You ain't going to really see anything. But is Georgia getting back to running the football? Because in the last, I want to say two years. They've kind of gotten away from running the football, and while they won the national championship playing complimentary run game football, do they go back to more of a run? Because I don't – the defense is going to be good. The team is going to be good. I don't think they're going to be holding a team to zero points this year. That doesn't mean they're not going to be favored in every team, every game they're going to be in next year. But I just think that what is what is the run – what is the uh, what is the offense going to look like? What what do these what do these reserve players who get to be star players going to look like? And at the end of the day, Kevin – you know, you hear so much about you hear so much about uh you know a bag. You hear so much about you know these backup QBs, right? Go out there and let them throw it a little bit. You can't hit them, so let them go out there and throw the ball a little bit. Because I, I I just think that you, because you know what you got is something you said. I know what I got in Stetson, but just in case Stetson gets hurt, not in the spring game, by the way. I want to know that I still got the rest of the season to look forward to. Yeah, I'm 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 interested to see what the post spring depth chart looks like if they actually uh you know release that to mm-hmm. anybody. Uh, what does that look like, and what does that mean at quarterback where uh, everybody seems to think somebody's going to transfer, and, I mean, JT Daniels already has, but everybody seems to think somebody else is going to uh, at the end of this whole thing. I mean, uh, we talked about it earlier, Ben. It's the five stars, again, I appreciate Christian's take of, hey, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Ryan Day, you're selling guys on wait, wait your turn, because you're playing behind an NFL guy, you're an NFL guy. And when you get there, you get your chance to sign. But I, I think in this day and age, so many five-star guys are sitting there looking, going, I, I just need to play. Like, I appreciate being here, and I appreciate waiting. I'm not waiting two and three years. And if you're Carson Beck, are you going to keep waiting? 
again, if you don't move up the depth chart this time around, you've got Brock Vandegrift uh, right behind you. You've got Gunnar Stockton. I know George would love it if Arch Manning was in that mix uh, after this year. So how many guys are willing to sit there and wait in college football? You've talked all the time about, hey, I waited my turn, and it was the best thing for you. But I think in today's day and age, you see guys who have been told, hey, you're a five-star. That, that, that means you're going to the NFL. Well, I can't go to the NFL if I don't get out there and play meaningful snaps, if I don't get out there and get tape. And I think for Georgia and Alabama, that's a, it's a good problem to have, but it is a problem that, you, that, that you're going to have of guys simply saying, look, I want a good team, and that's great. But at the end of the day, I want to play. Yep. I'm behind an NFL guy. That's not making me feel any better yep. because I'm an NFL guy, and I'm an NFL guy who's not playing. So that that to, to me is an interesting uh, you know dynamic that Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State have to deal with. But uh, again, I think you at quarterback only one guy's going to get to play, and I think that's the domino that everybody's looking to see. What's that post spring depth chart look like, and what does that mean for somebody's line of thinking as to hey, I might be an NFL quarterback, but not if I'm the third on the depth chart the whole time. There's only so many Billy Volicks yes. who end up in a National Football yes. League and never played. Like Billy Volick started for the. I mean, how this is insane. Billy Volek started for the. I'm saying it right. Billy Volek yes. started for the Patriots and never played at UCL at yep. USC. Yep. Never played a college game. Never started at USC and ended up starting for the Patriots. There's only so many stories like that. Yep. And those are like one in ten thousand. Like those just don't happen. And I think guys know that. Yeah, I think I think you make a good point, Kevin, when you bring up the fact that look, I know people always talk about the whole team concept of things. It's much it's much easier to embrace a team concept when I'm helping the team. I, of course, I can embrace it when I'm one when I'm one of those eleven out there. And that's not being selfish. I want to play. Stetson Bennett has been, you know, he's been that common denominator the last three years. You talk about Carson Beck, who slated as number two, and then you talking about you know Brock Vandergrift. You talk about Gunnar Stockton. Well, look, four guys, only one can play. And when I say play, I don't care about what you was able to do. Hey man, he scored two touchdowns, but when the game was already already done. I think that when you talk about the philosophy of Kirby Smart, it's going to be put to the test because as much as we glorify winning national championships, right? When the last time Georgia had a number, what, a first-round pick, a quarterback, second-round pick? What about a third-round pick? What about a fourth-round pick? Been a while. And, and, and even though I think Jake Fromm went like six or seven or something like that, right, they don't have quarterbacks getting, getting picked that high. If you are if you are Carson Beck, you saying, look, man, every year I stay, it's another year I don't play. Every year I don't. And I think sometimes, who Kevin, look, you're not being selfish. You've hit the transfer portal. Nobody said anything to Joe Burrow because it worked out, right? Just because I transfer doesn't mean I don't want to play. That means I do want to play. That means I actually do want to play if I'm willing to leave a place like Georgia. So I do agree, Kevin, that uh that transfer portal, man. I mean, somebody gets added to it every single day. Coming out of this game, because coming out of this game, there ain't gonna be no more reason to lie about it to these quarterbacks as far as like how they're gonna be used. And if I'm coming into this game and I'm I'm going to this game number two and I come out solid number two, I feel pretty good going to the season. If I go into this game number two and I come out number three, maybe even number four, because guess what? Arch Manning, he's coming. He's coming in 2023. And if I ain't getting no burn now, and just say in 2023, Arch Manning decided to go to Georgia, you don't think he's finna jump some people. All right. The politics, people, and I am not getting political. I'm telling y'all, it looks like all fun and games. If Arch Manning decides to go to Georgia, all of a sudden, well, Arch Manning is going to be number two going into the spring. What? I, 
It's a business decision, and that's I want to give myself the best opportunity to, to to let my NFL dreams come to the forefront. Even if I don't go, I can't do that being a backup. Sorry, I play with Billy Volek, and with Billy Volek, it, it, you know why Billy Volek started in New England because we got it. He was getting ready to start in Tennessee the opening the opening week uh, in 2006. We had just came out off the field from it's Wednesday. We just came out the field from the walkthrough. We finna put on our stuff to go out on the field to practice. They are scratching his name. Off his locker, while we were going through walkthrough, he was being traded to San Diego. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the league. I mean, Billy goes, "Wait a minute, man! Like, what?" <laughs> and, and 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 listen, listen, listen. And next thing you know, he and literally, they didn't tell him. They let him go out there. Let, let oh, they didn't go. say we're going to need you to stop practicing right now. No, no. no we, so what you do is in the NFL, right before you go out on the field, you do a walk. You do like a like a quick little walk to get your mind. Kind of ready to go for what you kind of like a pop quiz. Get your mind ready. You come back in, you chill for a second, you go get taped, you go out there on the field. And all I'm saying is, we come in, we're like, why they taking his name off his locker? Oh, he's been traded to San Diego. <laughs> and listen, listen, and that was so the last time I talked to Billy was when we was out there doing walkthrough. We go on the field, he's not out there. He's gone. He's literally getting his stuff, headed to San Diego. By the time practice was over, he was already on the plane, headed to San Diego. That's the league. <laughs> we got, we've got more to come here. It's uh, Speaking of football, there's more football coming up this weekend. We'll break that down next all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. It's great to be here on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, more football, more football, more football coming up this weekend, Ben. When you got spring games galore, everybody's talking about the draft. Oh, yeah, the USFL's tomorrow. That's right. Are you excited about? And again, I, 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 I think this one's got a myriad of problems, but we'll see. Are you, are you excited? At least I know you know a lot of guys involved. Yeah. With the USFL, are you as excited about it as you were for the XFL 2.0 or even XFL 3.0 for whatever the USFL is going to be starting tomorrow? I am not. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie because I mean, Coach Fedor is out there now. Yeah, Coach Fedor is out there. Coach, I think he's coaching the New Orleans team. I will say this. I am happy for everybody involved, for all the coaches, all the players. I think when you start talking about when you're going to do things, you always have to ask yourself, what are we competing against? Now, spring games galore, uh, two weeks before the draft, XFL making this announcement, you know, uh, a couple of days ago with the, with the Rock and uh, Danny Garcia and the guys like Anthony Beck and Rob Wilson and Hines Ward and Wade Phillips and Ter- Terrell Buckley and, uh, you, know, and, so, and uh, you know, Bob Stoops. But, Kevin, this is what you up again. Like when you start talking about analytics and the money, well, you're all playing in the same city. You're yeah. the Pittsburgh whatevers. And I don't even know. I'm sorry, but you know, you're playing in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah with yeah, everybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so everything is going to be done in Birmingham. And Birmingham is going to be crazy because you got the USFL touching. I think they did the training camp and every, like everything right there. Right. Uh this is a test run. Let's just call it what it is. USFL, you will know a lot more about what your product is going to have to bring to the table because the one thing the XFL has, partnerships. Partnerships with the NFL, partnerships with the NFL alumni. That means if I got partnership with the NFL, that means that the XFL has to, quote, look good because of who we partner with. Sometimes who you connected to has more to do with how you look good, you know, you know. for guys out like there who are married, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You, 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 yeah, yeah. You supposed to, you, guys. Listen, you want to know how a guy thinks? Look at this lady. You got to swing for the fences. Like, hey, she's supposed to be the attractive one, not me. And yes, people are like, that's your, that's right. And I don't got good credit either. Anyway, 
I'm just saying, when you look at the fact that, Kevin, the USFL is this. You have a product. You have the coaches. But then everything you do now, now when it comes to Coach Fedora and those guys in the league, hey, and uh, you guys have got to go out there and have good football, which good football is relative. I mean, I, you know, when, when you think about it, I don't know how many games they're going to play, but we'll see what network they're going to be on. We'll see what the quality of the games. Uh, but, hey, I'm rooting for them. You know, I'm rooting. And, and I want I, a full report on Monday. Listen, listen, I, All listen, the I, USFL games, tell me how it went. I, w- I will go through, because you know me. I'm, I mean, BJ watched the box score. I can go through and watch them 15-minute highlights. I, yeah. can, I can go, oh, oh, oh. I'm, I'm going to write down what I saw, things of that nature. But at the same time, it's an opportunity to play professional football. It just ain't the National Football League. I mean, it's only so many slots. Sure. 53 guys, 40-something dress, 30-something play. At least now. You know, you get a chance to go out there and headline. We will see what happens. I, I mean, we'll I'm interested to see how it goes because, again, so much of football that makes it fun. I think that was the cool part about the XFL and its short-lived return before COVID took it out was you, know, you had the D.C. defenders where they're up there making beer snakes with cups and all the – you're literally playing all the games in the same city. So it's like, hey, you, you could call yourself whatever. You don't have to be the Pittsburgh – I know there's plans to move into the cities after the season, but, I mean, let's be real – I think we all know the XFL is going to be the secondary league, uh, especially as you said, you're partnering with the uh, with the NFL. But I'm interested to see what kind of innovations they do to make it interesting. Again, I, I don't think you got to be crazy. I don't think the XFL was crazy uh, in some of the things they did last year. It was different. It wasn't the, the going for one, two, or three uh, after a touchdown was different. Uh, you know, but it wasn't something that was just totally over the top, and, and people got in, got into it. So uh, I'm interested to see what they have. Again, I. I'm thinking anything with the rock behind it is probably going to be successful. Uh, pretty much. Uh, and that's the uh, the XFL right now. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, so much has been made about the draft. It's pretty, and you're like, oh, yeah, by the way, football's back. It's the now, USFL. Now, 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 now so, I will uh, say this. I will say this. Okay. When the USFL decided it was coming back, right? I don't know who the commissioner is. They, they fast tracked it, really. I mean, wait, but the other, okay. I, I turn on, you know, I turn on. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I said, yeah. Next up on, you know, ESPN, you got the Rock. Danny Garcia. Okay, who was in the Super Bowl this year? It was the Rock. Who's the one of the biggest superstars on the way? It's the Rock. It's like they got the face recognition, they got the name recognition, they got that. But the Rock goes, well, if I'm gonna do it, I need security. What's I'm a partner with the league. What? I'm a partner with them, and I'm a partner with the NFL alumni. And this, this is the most brilliant thing I ever heard. And Every single NFL player at the end of the season has an automatic XFL contract. Now, they don't have to sign it, but they have one. That's brilliant because people fizzle out every year. You know who would be in the XFL right now if they was in the league, if they was filling out? Terrell Owens because he's in some type of little league now. <laughs> he is. I saw him yeah, yesterday. He's in the, uh, that seven on that, seven. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that, that, that fan. That fan uh, listen, uh, listen, I am not knocking Terrell Owens. But what I am saying is the Rock. When The Rock speaks, hey, man, maybe we can get The Rock on the show to come on, you know, talk about the XFL. You know, Larry, we had Larry Fedora on. I mean, coach of the New Orleans. I'm rooting for everybody involved, Kevin. Make no mistake about it. I just know that it's easy. It's an uphill battle yeah, for it's sure. It's almost like this. When you're the, you the biggest, you know, you're the biggest team on the block because there is no competition, you don't know how good you are. And all of a sudden, what's that? That's the XFL. What? They coming. Yeah. And they get a full year. And, his, and, and his brother's behind him in the NFL. Oh yeah, back, right. uh, backing him up. So, oh, yeah, so yeah. Oh, oh yeah, old oh, Roger Goodell. You know he he, he always want to you know. No, but I, yeah, I mean I I do think I think the the USFL uh, is good uh, in in theory. I think they suffered from what happened uh, with the AAF. Is that they fast tracked it? You're trying to get out ahead of the XFL, and again, in the end of the day, the AAF 
didn't last. And the XFL, I think, learned from their first time yeah. when they came out and was like, we're going to do this in four months. What? We have teams. We're going to get players. Work out. Go. Run. And we're like, the product doesn't look good. Well, that's because they've been practicing for three weeks. You know, it's like they, 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 they're, they're trying to figure out who their teammates are. And, th- and then the last time around, I think they had teams picked. They had six, seven months worth of practice uh, to lead up to the season. And the product kind of reflected that uh, on, on the field. So, uh, you know. I, I wish the USFL luck. I'm uh, probably not going to catch too much of it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm trying not, not to be anti every football no, no, like if, Christian if I, is. If, but I, if it's late, you know, when I say late for me, if it's eight o'clock, <laughs> I, I think there's on. one at like three or four in the yeah, afternoon. Because I think, wait, if it's late and I see someone, I say, okay, look, I'm, I, I am guaranteed to watch the highlights. Like I, I'm going to do that because I want to see who's who. I'm looking forward to seeing this Kevin. Oh man, he still play. Oh okay. I mean, because look, this, this ain't this ain't going to be the next <laughs> Pro Bowler in the NFL, but. The USFL, look, man, y'all better y'all, y'all, Sometimes the head start looks like, like you know, more than what it actually is. The XFL going, no, it's cool. All going out there. Yep. Let us see. Because the XFL saying, no, we, the Rocks get no, all no, your no, stuff what, together. Whatever sure city wins, where we're going to be playing, and uh, we got eight teams. There's going to be eight cities. We we, we not we one, have, one city. Because <laughs> right? the because the thing about the Rock, the Rock though, the Rock comes with a reputation. He can ill afford <laughs> to do it. I mean, we'll yeah. see. I, again, I, 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 I threw it out there because it, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what it looks like when it's all said and done. Uh, we got more to come. Heading into the weekend, Braves and Padres. Boy, the Braves got to do something. Uh, Brian Snicker changing it up a little bit. We'll get to that. And when we come back, it's three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, been troop. Braves and Padres coming up later tonight. Kyle Wright against McKenzie Gore making his major league Debut. It is, of course, Jackie Robinson Day across Major League Baseball. Uh, and Brian Snicker changing up the lineup just a little bit. Eddie Rosario and his 047 batting average to the bench tonight. Marcelo Zuna not playing the field. He is at the DH spot. And you've got Orlando Arcia uh, out there in the outfield along with uh, with Duval. I'm trying to uh, let me go back and find that, uh, that lineup. Uh, but I do know Eddie Rosario not out there. Of course, if you can't hit the ball, then I mean, it, are, I, mean I mean, are you really out there when you're out there? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no, I, I will say this. It's Kevin. a Guillermo Heredia. Sorry, I'll say. Yeah, there, I, I will say this. You know, it's going to be. We knew that. You know, the the outfield was going to be. I don't know. Dare I say, if there is a weak link on this team, we knew it was going to be that going into the season. We didn't know it was going to start out like this. Marcelo's on. Marcelo's obviously going to be in the DH spot. Oh, you know, uh, Eddie Rosario. He got to take a breather, man. Like, listen, we, we're going to just let you watch tonight. Just breathe, man. Like, baseball, like any other sport, is in between the ears, and I get it. And the thing about it is, uh, I mean, I know you I know you get to be a defensive player, you get to play in the field, but if your bat ain't, if your bat ain't you know, uh, on your side, it's like, how hard, how hard is that for you when you start yeah. saying, dude, like, a bad batting average is like, oh, man, he's on the bat in like, you know, 220 right now. Mm-mm. That, that's, that, that no, would no, be we, a, we are, If your batting average is a bingo number, you probably need to have a seat yeah, every, but, every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I, but I will say, hopefully the Braves can get back. You know, Snit, he's one of those guys to where he got to – it's going to be different guys in and out of the lineup. You understand that, especially when you're trying to get uh, – you know, you're trying to get the right the right core of guys. Uh, Rosario is going to get a day off. He's going to get a breather. Marcel, obviously, as you mentioned, is going to be uh, in the DA spot. Man, just get some runs, man. Like, like just get, get a rhythm. Get some runs. Try to get you a win. Try to try to let that thing snowball. I know it's only eight games. Nobody's tripping. You know, you're three and five. It's not it's not the worst thing in the world. But when you lose, it's how you look. It's almost like how you look when you lose. Not that because you're gonna lose. 
Baseball is the team that fails the least wins the most. That, that's that's that, that's kind of the guy that, that that fails the least at the plate has is gonna you know be in be in the run of having the best batting average, which yeah. is crazy. It's crazy. But listen, Mookie Betts. Listen, if if, if you want to choose, you know, not throw to him. I mean, I'm sorry. Is it Mookie Betts? I'm tripping. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're Manny, 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 Manny Machado. Manny Machado. He was, he was five for five yeah, last yeah, night. Yeah, listen. Yeah. listen. One of the one of those you're going to see all of them out there in the West Coast. One of those out there in freaking California. <laughs> one is in San Diego. The other one's in L.A. My pop, but Manny Machado had five for five. So you you kind of want to throw away from him, like if, if you can. But I, I just think Kevin for this uh, for this Braves team, it's about getting a win. It's a, it's a, it's about building some confidence. It's about and we get it. It was a it was, they was partying like it was 1995 in Atlanta. We get that part. But I mean, I, I say this like honest because people I, I say this in my own head and I'm like, that's the most lame excuse ever to say that, hey, guys are off to a slow start because it has been like a, a party to start. But it really has. I mean, it was a week long celebration of everything from rings to trophies to banner raising fans get their rings. We got Georgia in the house having double champions night at the ballpark. And it finally feels like. Uh, you, you've gotten away from all that, and maybe on this road trip, you kind of settle in and just say, "Guys, this is a different. This is a different season. Like we just let's settle in and get to the 2022 season a little bit." I mean, I'm not as, as, like I said. That sounds like such a lame reason to say they're struggling because hey, we're still celebrating yeah. the the But I do think the way the season started at home, kind of in a rush, some things and and everything last the first six days in Atlanta was about. Let's pat ourselves on the back and talk about the championship, which rightfully so you should. But I, I'm not saying that wasn't a little bit of a distraction. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not. It a, sounds not, lame I'm to not, say it, that. It, I it agree. I'm, not, I'm not negating it, but I, w- I will say this when it comes to this Braves team. Look, man, this is eight games in. They're three and five. If they was five and three right now, we'll be saying similar things. This is about nitpicking. This is about going back to the drawing board. This is about figuring out what we can do better. It's really man, about waiting for 13 to show yeah, up. Yeah, it, it is. It is. I mean, I mean, waiting for 13 to get back is going to definitely be a big boost, not just for the lineup, not just for the field, but, you know, just for the morale of the team. Yeah. Sometimes if you down, 13 makes everybody better. He is a top 10 talent, period, period, period. I don't care who you ask. But, 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 while he, but until he gets back, show, man, look, he's coming back to a team that's not putting the load on him. He knows it's going to he, he, he's, he's learned how to deal with the pressure the last four years, so he got that part. But let him come back to a team that's playing well. Let us come back to a team that's, that's, that's kind of found his stride a little bit. You're not going to find your stride 10 will, games in. Yeah, I will say, kind of ironic, like uh, all the people we've had, and again, it's eight games, so I'm not going to say like this is a, a uh, harbinger of what's to come in the season, but I will say all the people that you had the, uh, a lot of questions about are actually outside of Dansby, but all the other people you had questions like Matt Olson, how's he going to adapt? Being at home, an Atlanta guy, getting to play for the Braves, replacing Freddie Freeman. He's off to a great start. Austin Riley, MVP numbers. Was that just a fluke? Is he really ready to be big time? Off to a good start. Marcelo Zuna didn't even play most of last year because he was suspended. A lot of Braves fans are going, do we want Marcelo on the team? Do I agree with how the off-field stuff was handled? This, that. He's off to a great start. So, like, the three guys that you would be like, mm-hmm. they have all the reason to struggle. Mm-hmm. They've actually been good. Yeah. Albies has been off to kind of slow start. Uh, you know, uh, Rosario has been off to a horrible start. Dansby off to a horrible start. Those are the guys that you were like, man, the way they finished last year, you feel like they ought to, even if they just slide into kind of some kind of sense of normalcy. And they've been bad. And the guys you kind of thought had every reason to get off to a rough start have actually been really good for you offensively. Yeah, and that's something, and that's something uh, to feel good about. 
Thing about Snitty is he's trying to make sure he, he he's trying to make sure. Listen, I don't want to lose the team. I understand we are losing. I don't want to lose the team. I baseball is about as big of a marathon as you're gonna get in sports. When you're talking about that many games, but Kevin, you know just like I know. I always look at your temperament. You come in and go, man, it's all right. It's cool. It's not. It's, don't let look, look. A loss is a loss. Now you, you you would rather the loss be five to four and not twelve to two. I, I get yeah, the, those I, are those I are tough. I get the optics. I get it, but I just think that when you look at this Braves team at the end of the day, get a win. Get some, get some. Listen, listen. Get some quality hits. Get some quality at bats. Get, get back in the winning circle before you, before you uh, fly back to, the, fly back to the ATL. But it is three and five because at the end of the day, the Braves are a team that's still picked to contend. They just, you know, hey man, when they lose, they give up a lot of room. Uh, certainly, and we'll have that for you coming up a little bit later tonight, eight twenty-five with the pregame coverage. First pitch about nine forty tonight. Afternoon baseball for the Braves on Saturday. Sunday night baseball, Braves and Padres, and then Monday, Ben. It's the reunion with Freddie Free. Everybody's gonna be geeked, uh, you know, kind of geeked up for that one uh, coming up on Monday. Appreciate uh, you joining us on the show, Ryan Roberts, draft analyst with RiseandDraft.com. Appreciate him joining us. We're coming up on a week to go to the draft next week. Also, Jason Poe out of Mercer, looking to have himself put under that draft story. A great follow uh, there. We'll see how he kind of plays this thing out. We will see you Monday. Go to ESPNCoastal.com, our YouTube channel, if you missed any of the show. This is Three and Out Southern Pigskin Radio Network.